No. <laughs> what a start. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to our 28th episode. This is about the Charlotte Major. I'm joined by Mag, not Magnet. I'm sorry for your name. We'll fix it. it. We'll fix it in post. Ace of Pyrite, you know him as the voice of EU and APAC North. Mag competes in APAC North on the Fnatic squad with a very new look than the team that was present at previous majors. And then we have Slash, who is quite a journeyman himself, currently competing for Beast Coast in North America. Unfortunately, we could not grab a proper LATAM representative because the Copa do Brazil, or I think that's what it's called, is on right now. So we have Ace here to talk about LATAM 2 because, as you know, he used to cast it. So hello, gentlemen. How are you all today? Would you like to start, Ace? We're all very polite today. Let's <laughs> how we are. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, getting the opportunity to speak about a bit of LATAM as well is always welcome. It's always a lot of fun. Um, and EUL has been crazy, so plenty to go at. So, yeah, look, it's 4 a.m. I'm still awake. Probably be awake for the next three hours for this. Uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about some Siege again. I've also been awake a long time. I guess I represent, like, the only reason that matters, so I had to be here. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking about the groups today. For those of you who are not in the loop, the groups were announced. What was it? Was it yesterday? Was it like yesterday or day before? Two, it was like yeah, two days day ago. Before. Yeah. Two days ago. Uh, obviously, some, uh, some turmoil when they were unveiled because there is not one region per group as we had kind of thought there would be. I'm a bit surprised by that and frankly, a bit disappointed. When international events happen as seldom as they do, we've had, what, three international events in the last year? Um, with COVID and all that, seeing inter-regional matchups is kind of boring. So I'm a little, I'm a little bummed. I don't know if any of you feel the same way about it. Um, but you know, I don't really want to watch Furia versus Team Liquid in Group B. I want to watch Furia or Liquid play other teams. <laughs> yeah, as a player, it's really annoying too because you're gonna fly like if you're an APAC team, you're flying across the country, like across the world, pretty much every time to go play a team that you play every other day, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get it. Magnet, what's your, you've, Mag, you've, you've obviously played against yeah. inter-regional matchups internationally. You share the same thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, maybe someone's got something against APAC. It tends to only happen against APAC, you know? They don't want us getting out of groups or something, upsetting, you know, the other regions. So, uh, yeah, someone who's been used to it, I'm pretty over it, especially like Slash said, you know? They're like for us, twenty-four hour journeys across the world, you know, and we're still playing who we play in in regular season and we scrim every day. So hopefully it doesn't happen in the future. Tim, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with what you say. I think you know, obviously, we spend a lot of time watching these teams, casting them, and you know, it's a matchup that we've maybe seen a few weeks ago. To I mean, maybe to see a little bit of a positive sort of spin to it. It does create a bit of a storyline sometimes, you know, if you've had a particularly big matchup maybe in the, you know, in EUL between LFO and BDS and then they're going to play and you've sort of already got that underlying bit of sort of fireworks going on, it can play into it a little bit and you've got a bit of a storyline, I guess. But, you know, yeah, it's always nice to see, you know, it's all, it's the what ifs, isn't it? It's what if BDS meet Fury or what, you know, that's that's the sort of the questions you can't normally answer. So that's what we like to see. I will say that, uh, what was it, SI 2020, you had the three Brazilian teams and then Invictus. Uh, yes. And 
at least it guarantees that a Brazilian team is going to make it, right? You know, if you've got if you've got an APAC team in every single group, there is based on past performance, it's not uncommon for two of those APAC teams to just not have really a fighting chance. But if you look at Group A, having Direwolves and Elevate in the same group, I think honestly bolsters their chances of making it out of the group, especially if they know each other's play styles particularly well. That's my take. No, I agree. I think that's probably the only positive, especially mainly for APAC region, of course, that they really only have to beat one other international team to make it through. Yeah. So, yeah, probably the only positive, I think, to take away. Well, speaking of that Group A, let's dive into it, because the Group A is Direwolves Elevate Oxygen and Team 1. For those that don't know, Direwolves is the uh, Taiwanese team. Elevate is the team from Thailand. Don't get those confused. Oxygen is from North America and Team 1 is from Brazil. Uh, any particular standouts in this group? Anything that jumps out at any of you right away? And we'll start with Magnet, then we'll go to Ace, and we'll go to Slash. Obviously, the two APAC teams, you're a bit of a standout. You did just call me Magnet as well. Standout number two. Thanks, Magnet. And <laughs> I definitely think Oxygen, for sure. I think, what did they come in the NA? Lee? Second. Uh, they finished second. Second? Yeah. Um, I think especially against aggressive styles, aggressive solo styles like Elevate and Direwolves, which um, tend to be shut down by these sort of slower play styles, methodical play styles, play styles where the enemy just waits for their aggression. I think Oxygen are definitely going to come out of that group. Whether they are on top or not, I have no idea, but for sure, my immediate standout would be Oxygen. Yeah, I mean, I am excited about Oxygen as well, Mag. I think they've had they've had a little bit of a tough sort of uh, we'd say a bad rub of the green here in the UK. So you know they've they had obviously the problems that they had at the Sweden Major where they couldn't really come out and compete at full force, um, and then not the best run at Invitational. Not bad, not bad at all, but. I just think there's more. I think there's more that this this team can deliver. So, yeah, I'm absolutely looking to see Oxygen. I won't say a cruise out of the group, but I think they're going to come out of it very strongly. Um, and for me, Team 1, I had a, a chat with Lagonis um, just a couple of days ago. And obviously, this is a Team 1 that's been completely reformed. It's There's only Lagonis that has survived. Even the coach, Chubbs, he went across to, to Double O Nation. Um, the rest of the players disbanded and, and went sort of separate ways. Lagonis has got four new players in. A lot of that fell down to him to recommend to the orgas to, you know, who to look at, who to bring in. They've gelled very quickly. And he said it's been a bit different this time too, because obviously it's similar to what they did in the build-up to the Mexico major, really. You know, January last year, they started as a fresh roster and they got themselves through to Mexico. So to qualify for the major again so quickly, that's pretty impressive and can't be overlooked. And I think they're going to be a strong team. They've got the sort of 18-year-old Brazilian gunners that everybody's terrified of, so it's going to be fun. Spencer? I think it's, like, pretty clear Oxygen wins the group. Direwolves, you know, they're looking good, too, so, you know, they could get second. <laughs> but, no, I think I think most likely it's, it's going to be uh, between Elevate and Team 1 for the second spot. I don't know. I kind of think like Elevate's pretty good, so I think they could they could steal that second spot. But I think most people would pick Team One. I find it really interesting uh, what's happened with Team One. Sorry, if you'd like to keep going, feel free. No, I was just gonna say like Oxygen, like 
it, it, they do have two new players, but I would say like they've gotten like better as a team. Like in in terms of team play and like roles, like they fit way way better now than I think they did before. I think the roles look really good. I, the only question marks for me, uh, based on no metrics in front of me, Vertical's performance on land. It does. It seems to go kind of the way of same with hot and cold, which is where they don't show up on land at the same way that they do domestically. Not that Vertical's a bad player on land by any stretch of the imagination. He's not. But if you look at the stats for SI 2021 and SI 20 or sorry, SI 2022, the one that just passed, that team was held together by Laxing and Yaga statistically, right? Obviously that team was playing under a very different uh, mindset, given that Kino and Yaga were very likely aware that they were leaving the roster after SI. But either way, my question is, if Vertical can put up the same numbers that he put up in this stage of NAL, which were absolutely career-defining numbers for Vertical, he topped out most categories that he's actually recorded in, and he was easily the MVP of the stage. The other question for me then becomes, what about Newers? Because Newers, as a player, his stock seemed to decline a fair bit as the stage went on. His last, like, three games, his numbers were very poor, in comparison to the first five games of the stage. And he's going to be competing at a pretty big land for the first time ever. If he can show up, I think OXG takes the group as well. I'm going to say that I think Elevate takes second. I don't know how I feel about Direwolves. And I, I actually kind of want your thoughts on this, Mag, because Direwolves seems to be a huge question mark for a lot of people. But I honestly think with the way that they played at SI and the roster changes they made, Elevate looks like a reinvigorated team. And I think that they can be quite scary. And I was impressed immediately by how well they handled their first LAN in Sweden for SI just a couple months ago. Yeah, so a couple of days ago, actually, Ed, the, uh, I guess you could say the captain, captain of Direwolves, you know, he sent me a message and he's like, Mag, this is my first LAN. Um, I just want some tips, you know, because we've never played internationally. So... Me being to, you know, however many lands I've been through, especially as an APAC team, I think I had some uh, sort of great, what is it, advice to give him, which is mm. just have fun, honestly. Um, I was sort of explaining to him that realistically, it's not going to matter if you lose. They're the new team there. It's the first time they're at an international event. And... They shouldn't be scared of losing to anyone there. It should be the opposite, you know? Oh, what if this NA team loses? Oh, what if this EU team loses to an APAC land? Like, uh, an APAC team, sorry. The pressure is on them. So go out there, have fun, and get some experience. And interestingly, interestingly enough, he said that even though they never lost a game in the regular season, they were actually really nervous playing the playoffs against Elevate. And that is where they did start to struggle and... That was their first actual loss in a in a series of any sort. And it was probably due to pressure and nerves. So whether or not they can get that under control will be the defining factor of whether or not they can beat, you know, Elevate, of course, or um, teams such as Team 1. And I think the other big issue is their play style can very easily be countered, you know, by these more structured teams. However, there is only oxygen that is more on the structure side of this group. So, yeah, a bit of a dark horse. And, yeah, it's going to come down to whether they can control their nerves or not and whether they, you know, get into the groove of what they do. 
because they've proven regionally that they're a really strong team. They didn't lose a single game in the whole regular season. So I think they're going to be definitely someone to look at for a Group A. Just just to jump in here for one sec, uh, Dire Wolves went 7-0 <clears throat> in APAC South. Three of the four teams that are competing on behalf of APAC actually come from APAC South, which is a fascinating change because when the APAC system was split, a lot of players thought that APAC South was kind of being thrown to the wolves, that it was, you know, like the less sexier region. And now here we have, you know, Chiefs, Elevate, and Dire Wolves all making it out of there. And you're right. I mean, Dire Wolves went perfect. They lost to Cyclops. They lost to Elevate. And then that was the ball game for them when it comes to the APAC playoffs. And yeah, pressure plays a huge part of it, right? I, I mean, I hate, to, I hate to say it to the APAC region because it sounds so disrespectful, but if you lose to an APAC team, you get clowned on, especially yeah, newer true. APAC teams. Right. So there's a lot more pressure for some of these teams, you know, to say, oh, my God, you know, you lost to Elevate. Oh, my God, you lost to Cyclops. What's going on? This is bad for you. And that that firmly puts the ball in the court of the other teams, not the APAC teams, to perform up to snuff. Sure. Uh, I could see them being a team where their first two games, they play super nervous and, you know, they get beat pretty handily. But that last game comes, they can't really, like, make the playoffs anymore could see them like definitely play spoiler to someone with like no pressure on their back at the end of the group. Cause like, I feel yeah. like we've seen that like a couple times where it's like, you know, clearly like nerves got to a team, but now that that's gone and they don't really care cause they can't make the playoffs. Like they just like play better. Yeah. There's, so, de there's definitely something to be said for teams that play with no pressure and just are there to have fun as Mag I said. Agree. Right. Like you go there to have fun, gain experience and, and suddenly you do much better than you thought. I think, yeah, that depends on, on the, the player's personal attitudes um, because it depends where your pressure comes from as an individual. So, does you know, do you allow pressure to be sort of found externally, which in this case, as you say, there isn't really going to be any. But if your pressure comes internally from wanting to perform for your teammates, your organization, yourself, you know, if you're going to pile that on yourself, then it might not matter too much what the external expectations are. That's still going to be present if you're expecting a certain level from yourself. But interestingly for Elevate, I think an interesting point here is let's not forget about the performance that they had at Invitational. That is not going to help them here because they are not going to be coming in. Obviously, they're a team that have been around. They know what it's all about. And, you know, nobody's overlooking them at any point, but even less so now. When they've come out and had such a strong performance at SI, teams are going to be prepping for them. They're going to be ready for them. And they're going to know that they are in for a game. So... A, they're going to have to bring something new to the table. They can't necessarily just rinse and repeat the sort of, same sort of stuff they did at SI. But also, B, teams are going to be coming out and prepping hard for them. So, Elevate, as much as I like them as a team, I think they might just find themselves having a tough time here. Out of the two APAC teams, I think Dire Wolves may be the one to actually come through and, and surprise people a bit there. Oh, I'm going to actually jump in again. Um... Direwolves actually left yesterday or today for a boot camp before the event as well. And obviously, you know, I've been to a lot of boot camps uh, before these big events. And if we had not gone to these boot camps, we would have gotten smoked out in groups. Like you just learn so much from these other teams. Um, even the smallest things, right? Look, you can look at a region play style, look at how these you know, players play and all these different strategies on a, on a VOD. But once you get in that game, 
there is so much more that the VOD, you know, like these spectators and whatever misses that you just learn so much. So I hope that, you know, become a, a sponge, soak it all up and uh, really come extra prepared for the major. When Elevate was being interviewed for the Six Invitational, they said that no teams wanted to scrim them, which I find is extremely disrespectful, but they still outperformed half of the teams that were present there. They said they just played a lot of ranked in Europe to prepare them for the event. You think Some that there might be... demons in Europe. I mean, yeah, absolutely there are. <laughs> do you think that direwolves might run into the same issue, or do you think that there will be more of an appetite for teams to give them some of those uh, scrim chops? I have no idea. I mean, I think... Well, look, honestly, Slash didn't really know much about them, right? So... Coming into, what you know, mean? coming into North America, everyone's going to be like, wait, what? Like, who are these guys? So I hope, you know, it'll pique these teams' curiosity um, and be like, yeah, you know, why not? Let's give it a shot. But for sure, like, I seriously encourage these other teams to scrim them because who knows? Other APAC teams might be pulling the same plays. You know, you don't want to lose. You don't want to be that team that loses to an APAC team. So go and get your APAC experience as well because there's going to be a lot of jump outs. So... I really do hope they get the practice they need. And I don't think it's necessarily people don't want to scrim APEC. When you're scheduling scrims, it's just easiest to go ask people you know or teams you're familiar with. True. That like, if you ask me to like DM the coach of Direwolves, I don't I don't even know if I could find this guy's Twitter. Like, it's just like it's it's easier to set up scrims with like the G two players because like I know them or like BDS yeah. players. Where like I don't know I feel like it's just like. They're, they're just not in the loop as much to where, like, you know, setting up scrims is just harder for them, and everyone is probably already booked. And sure. So I don't see anyone, like, if they didn't have a scrim and Elevate asked them to scrim, I don't see anyone saying, like, no. Like, we'd rather just do nothing. Yeah. I, I am a little curious. Would your team, Beast Coast, scrim Direwolves now that they're coming over? Yeah. I mean, if they're in an... Are they boot camping in North America? Yeah. Yeah, like we would scrim them. We would scrim you'll anybody. Be, you'll be surprised. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good experience both ways. You know, not that I think that Beast Coast needs more experience, but I think that you know, going up against a team that is so clearly a different play style than anything we really see in North America, I think it cuts both ways. And <clears throat> Spencer, I mean, I've never scrimmed Rainbow Six, so I have no idea how teams prepare for it but i know in other games lots of teams scrim not to win but to figure things out and if you're getting shellacked in scrims it's not the end of the world because at least you're learning and improving but i can also see how there are na teams who get very fed up with a play style like what direwolves and elevate bring into a server yeah i think it's disappearing a lot more now than it was before since you have a lot of the teams now are made of the people who used to piss the old pros off yeah so now they're like a little more understanding but like It'll definitely be a frustrating scrim, and you'll, like, get mad. Like, it happens all the time. But I think people, like, after their initial reaction, they realize, like, it's, okay, we need to figure out how to play against this. I think it's something that you can you can bring to the region, the way that old flip side used to scrim Brazil and would bring yeah. strats that you saw in Brazil to North America, which kind of gave flip side an edge over some of their regional oh. counterparts. Didn't help them too much, but... <laughs> It's still the same two teams every time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, we've talked a lot about the APAC teams. OXG just 
was a really short conversation. It was just, oh, XG's probably going to finish first in the group. Is there anybody here who disagrees with that? I think team uh, Latam Shill. Um, I think team one could honestly. I, I don't know. Is it a surprise? Is it not? You know, you've got players like Maya putting in nearly a hundred kills in stage one, and then having a great performance at Copper Elite Six as well. On top of that, Dash was top rated Copper Elite Six. This is this is a squad that have got depth. Like believe me, they are going to come out and be very very difficult to beat. The one thing, the one negative for them is that lack of experience. But they've got Lagonis there, who has been there and done it. But interestingly, one thing that he did say himself was, it's not always the easiest thing to pass experience on when you're the only experienced player there. It's easier sometimes if you've got a second, you know, if previously the, he had Alamayo with him or, you know, when you can do that and you've got a couple of you to sort of show the way, it's a little bit easier. But they seem to have switched on very, very quickly to what he's doing. They're hitting the, you know, like I say, Meyer and Dash particularly are right up there in the, the stats charts and... That's against teams like Liquid. That's against players like Palu and Nesk that the you know they're competing with immediately, and so yeah, I don't think you can write Team One off here. I think, and they're a very clutch team as well. Um, they they will pick up difficult. You know, they'll find themselves one v two, one v three. They'll pick the wins up there. They're very very difficult to actually beat inside of a round. Yeah, I feel like Latam. You don't get a lot of. They don't drop off when they go to like these international events. Even mm. like the new teams who have like, you know, like um, I I can't think of an example, but like you don't really a great example. And so oh, yeah. is MIBR. Yeah, MIBR is what I was looking for. But like, you could say like, oh, they don't have experience, but it doesn't really even seem to matter for them. I think they just play so much like interregionally in like important matches that like pressure is just like not as big of a factor to them. Whereas in like. An NA player, it's just the NAL, and that's all you have. And that's like your seven games to, you know, get your emotions under control. The one thing that I, I've noticed the most with, with LATAM was go back to go back to the Brazilian interregional play in 2017, 2018, right? Where they had one or two good teams. That was pretty much it. You know, that was the font BRK days. Black Dragons was now NIP. And... All of those teams kind of played the same. The only major difference was that like BRK and Font played very different styles, still very aggressive, but one worked well internationally and one worked well domestically. And now if you watch Latin America, the play styles of all of the teams are quite different. And I think there was a concerted push, and this was backed up by some of the comments made by Brazilian players on Twitter, starting in Raleigh, where in order to start performing better at international lands, they started mimicking or trying to copy some of the play styles of European teams or North American teams in certain ways and then add their own flourish to it. And since then, you see the way that Nip plays is in stark contrast to the way that Liquid plays, to the way that FaZe plays, to the way that W7M is now playing, to the way that Team 1 played at the Mexico Major. And it, it works out quite well. They're very adaptable. And... You know, I, I think there's very little argument from people that LATAM has been the most consistent region over the last almost two years at this point. And that's because of the diversity in play styles, which I'm starting to see in North America too, but was also something that wasn't really present in NA. EU's always had that. EU's always, you know, been one of the deepest regions because of that. But now to see LATAM catch up and arguably surpass them is, is a big part of why. And you can just kind of plug and play these rosters. Team One literally sold their almost whole roster to Zero Zero Nation 
and Zero Zero Nation finished in second last place with the old Team One roster, and now the new Team One roster finishes third. So clearly the systems that these teams bring work, and it's honestly, it's really nice to see, and it makes trying to guess where Brazilian teams are going to be on land very unpredictable. Yeah, it really does. Um, and it's it's something that they don't just pick up from other teams around the world. Like you say, they are they do go to LAN events and they are like sponges, you know, when they get that opportunity to scrim against the other international teams, they'll take away the best bits. But all the players in LATAM, uh, and, it's it, you know, I think it's the same for most regions. You know, they're very familiar with each other. They're friendly, you know, they play with each other. They are all scrimming each other. And so when you've got that diversity of styles... It just fuels more because not they don't need to rely on scrimming the European teams or the NA teams to pick up a different style. They can just scrim phase or they can just scrim liquid and they'll pick up something new that they're not doing. And because there's such a diverse pool there to begin with, it just creates this ridiculous strength in depth. And that's what we saw last year. It, you know, it, it's not like we were saying, oh, it's been a LATAM domination because NIP won three or four tournaments. It wasn't. We had NIP, we had FaZe, we had Team 1. You know, we had multiple LATAM teams winning tournaments. And that really shows the strength in depth for LATAM. And it's it's why you can just never really discount them. You, you there's, At this point, it just feels like a presumption that those teams will go through. Any insight, Meg, from you as somebody who watches and studies LATAM teams? As someone who watches and studies LATAM teams... Do you? I just agree with both of your points, to be honest. I think they can never be counted out in these groups. And, you know, like I said as well, there's always, you know, like a rolling... A rolling ball? Look, I don't know how to say it, but look, a new victor of LATAM emerges every time at internationally. So, yeah, definitely can't count that at all. I'm uh, I'm a little curious as to how things go because you've got Furia who are not exactly the most experienced team. You've got Team One with a brand new roster. You've got W7M where these players are making their land debut, you know. And then you've got Liquid, who's a known quantity. But I I just as as well as Liquid does in their region, I will never ever put money on Liquid to go to the finals of an event because it just never happens for whatever reason. Liquid just mentally booms themselves when the semis happen at some point and they just implode. So you've got a, a team that is consistently at events, but inconsistently placing well. And then you've got three new teams, essentially. Furia being the most experienced of those three teams. And Furia, again, has never been like a real standout the way that we've seen MIBR or FaZe or, or NIP, etc. So I'm just, I'm fascinated to see what happens. And the big one for me that we'll get to when we get to the group is W7M. Because this is a team that I think has taken all of the Rainbow Six esport by storm and has left so many people so confused as to their absolute dominance in their region. And the only real loss that they suffered was in Copa, which was to Team Liquid in the finals. So I'm, I don't know. I, group A is is fascinating to me because the two APEC teams are big question marks. And I agree with Ace. I could actually see Team 1 winning the whole group as well. So... I, th I think looking at Group A, if I'm honest, I think it's possibly the hardest to predict. And I know that it's 
people will probably sat at home and they'll be like, oh, but what about Group C? It's like, yeah, you know, none of the groups are easy, but I think we know a lot more what to expect. The reason that I say Group A is the most difficult to predict in some ways is because we don't know what to expect from these teams necessarily, on land particularly. Um, you know, whether that be through... No fault of their own. This isn't a criticism to Ox G, but lack of consistency over the last couple of big tournaments, um, or whether that be just not having really seen the players. You know, maybe sometimes the orgs with Team One, but not having seen the players online. There's just a lot of unknown quantities in Group A, and it's one of them. Would it surprise me if the APAC teams come out and both of them go through? To be honest, no, it wouldn't. It's it's just one of those groups where it's Group A. Anything can happen. Before we uh, move on to the next topic. If I was to ask you, predict Group A, rank them one to four as to how they go. I'll go first, just so that y'all don't feel like I'm throwing you under the bus. I, If you had to ask me to put money on this, I honestly think they're... I, I, I don't know enough about Direwolves to be confident to put them in the top two. I just don't. And I know that they were really dominant in APAC South, but I think when you look at teams that are dominant in their region, it doesn't always translate well you know, internationally. So if I look at it and I have to rank group A, I'm going to say that it's OXG first, Elevate second, Team One third, Direwolves fourth. But honestly, I think you're right, Tim. I look at all five, I look at all four of these groups and I just think to myself, like, I don't know where the hell group A ends up. I just don't. And I think it's so tough because I honestly think three of these four teams could 100% win the group and I think all four of them could make it out. Meg, I'm now going to put you in the hot seat. If you have, you have to rank them, oh. you have to rank them one to four. Who do you think's winning the group? Where do you think they're all standing at the end of the at the end of the group stage? Just quickly, where did Team One come overall in their tournament? They finished. Yeah, they seeded third. fourth. They seeded yeah, they, fi fourth. they finished third fourth. in BR six and then fourth in the tournament. Yeah, I think Oxygen's going to take number one. And Team One's going to take number two. Elevate's going to take number three, and Direwolves are going to take number four. I think Oxygen have the experience to play against these super aggressive playstyles, and you know shut them down. And Team One, like you said, very talented players. And if it's going to be Latam aggressive aggression versus APAC aggression, I think. Latam might just take it. I think they play a lot more teams, a lot more, you know, diverse playstyles, and they'll be ready for more. Whereas APAC, there's only sort of one type of aggression. Um, so that is my reasoning for one, two, three, four. And of course, you know, Elevate just, I think, will be able to beat Direwolves again, as they did in the playoffs. I we'll preface this by reminding everybody that I said I wanted an NA team to win SI 22 um, and was very happy when TSM did so. But I think there is going to be an upset in this group. I think there is going to be a surprise. It is, it is the reason it is too easy to look at this group and just say team one and Ox G go through it. That is too easy and it won't happen. I don't think, I think one of those two teams will be upset. Um, I'm going to go Team Liquid first, Elevate second, OxG third, Direwolves fourth. And I'm sorry, OxG, because I'm hoping for a good tournament for them. I did am. you say Team Liquid first? Did I say Team Liquid Team 1? Sorry, I sorry, yeah, you one. did. Yeah. 
So Team Liquid to... are going to be so good that they're going to top Group A as well. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think I think Team One. I think Team One elevate OxG Direwolves. So you have OxG going out. I don't want them to, but I just think there will be an upset in this group. Yeah. I think there will be an upset in this group. Okay, I feel that. That's three people who put the poor Direwolves. Slash, do you have them in last as well? No. I am an uh, APAC scholar, so I will put them at one. <laughs> I'll put Elevate at two. Um, Oxygen third, Team one four. That's just the order they're, they're on in Liquipedia right now, so I'll go with that. That's, that's just how they... That's just their placement for the groups. Yeah. I, I, I guess honestly, that's a group seating. I don't know. I think Oxygen's going to choke. That's I've a very real feeling. possibility. I mean, the... I think... See, I think it Mag says it. Yeah. I think Elevate or Direwolves are going to come second in the group, to be honest. All right, I'm changing it. All right, number one, team one. <laughs> number two. Number two, Elevate. Number three, Direwolves. Number four, Oxygen. I think finishing. Wow. No, oh. Yeah, I think, it's gonna, I think they might get overwhelmed, to be honest. Especially if, like you mentioned before, if vertical doesn't pop off because he's the probably the you know the best player in NA right now and he's obviously doing a lot of work for them so yeah yeah I hopefully think, for their sake they don't but I, I honestly think form, sorry to be honest like I think Vert 100% maintains form I think like you can attribute a lot of the problems like when Vert starts playing bad there are team problems when he was on my team when I was on Oxygen we started having internal issues and we didn't play as well it hurt him indirectly even though he's still probably like individually playing as well the team is not there to like help them but like i think like they're still in like their good phase right now so where like they probably don't have any problems i think he'll he'll maintain form mvp of the event what do you think you mvp of the event you have them finishing yeah, last okay. in the group <laughs> <laughs> mvp because he played so few games right you can't say that vert's gonna be mvp of the event when you have oxygen finishing fourth in their group i don't think it works that way all right i'll put dire wolves one oxygen two there you go as just, just as a side note, what do you think it was about the structures that brought him down? What do you mean the structures, like well, team like, structures? Yeah, the team structure. What do you think it is that's allowed? Because he's playing statistically, he seems to be playing the best he's ever played. Uh, yeah, but I think he's come close to this before. I don't think he's, you know, this is not far off from where he normally is. I don't think he's like overperforming as much as people seem to think he is from his his standard. Like Ray's really really fucking good. I don't think like I like people know Vert's good, but I don't think people realize like how mechanically good he is, and like not just that he's smart and he's like a good teammate, and I think like he can maintain this form. I think it's just like when teamwork starts to drop and like he's not getting as much assist and getting entries. I think that's when his stats start to drop a bit, but I think like that applies to almost every entry. If your team is doing bad and you're not working well together, your it, it's going to suffer like at your entries as well. It's now people think it's like super individualist, like to be an entry and you're like one v oneing people, but you're almost never one v one someone without some sort of info or crossfire or forcing them to move. And I think like now that Oxygen seems to have like a really good team dynamic, like he, there's no reason for him to not maintain where he's at. I want to ask you before we move on. You've somebody who's seen Newers on that team. What do you think? What do you think could possibly lead to the struggles that he had over the last couple of games of the season, where he almost certainly looked like a liability on many of those rounds? 
Um, I think one was Oxygen's like strength of schedule at the start versus the end. If I'm not mistaken, they played some of the bottom teams at the start, and then at the end is when they started playing like the the you know the more seasoned like better teams. So I think like he could have potentially gotten in his own head. I know Surf like brought this up before that like him and Newers are like basically the same person, and then like sometimes like. You you play good and then you have a bad game and it's like, how do I like not make sure that doesn't happen again? You like can overthink it. Then again, like it could it could just be that like the teams were shutting him down and the, but they were still winning a lot of games. So I don't know. I I, I don't like calling players in slumps like because there's sometimes like where the enemy team's game plan counters you and your team thrives. And I think that's like a situation that's going on right now with like Vert and Newers. You feel like you lose your battles, but you still find a way to help the team win the war, kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. There was those. There were those two games back to back. I think it was Sonic's DZ, where Newers was like one in ten, and then was like zero oh and eight in the next game. And those were like those were the Tuesday Wednesday games. That's just that's so hard back to back. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to go watch them, but I know like Surf had a a game when we played SSG. He had two kills, and they were on a in a one v five, but he was still playing like a huge part in why we won that game. Yeah. So numbers wise, he's doing worse, but as long as the team does well and they know he's being useful, that's all that really matters. That's good insight. Now, Group B. There seems to be a consensus with Group A that by and large, OXG will make it out. There's some that feel that they won't. Um, but overall, they seem to be the favorite among the four of us to emerge from the group. And then it's a coin flip as to whether it's Team 1 or Elevate. But the general consensus as well is that Direwolves is not going to make it out of the group. Just to wrap everything up for everybody else. Group B is an interesting one. Stopped by Cyclops, who uh, finished second at the APAC uh, finals. They lost to Elevate. They come from APAC North. They are the only APAC North team to actually qualify for the entire event. Furia finished the regular season fourth and then third, I believe, at Copa Elite. They come from Brazil. Team Liquid won Copa Elite. They also come from Brazil. And Xset finished third slash fourth in NA. And they are a relatively new team. They've got two players who are making their debut, which is in Diaz and Gomez. You've got Spirits, Yaga, and Kino on it. And it is a majority Brazilian roster. That is Group B right now. And just general thoughts, and I'll start with Slash this time and then go backwards, so Ace is going to be the beautiful sandwich in the middle between you three. Just general thoughts on the group, and are you going to immediately put the NA team number one again? Yes. Okay. Exit number one. We're not ranking them. This is just general thoughts. <laughs> okay, well, just so everyone knows, exit number one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Team Liquid in this group, like, you know, I just talked about how, like, you can do bad and still help your team. I feel like that just does not happen on Liquid. Like, I'm I'm trying to think of how to explain it, but it's like I feel like when they get they win so many rounds they shouldn't, and eventually like, I think that's why they struggle so far like deeper in tournaments because teams actually don't lose those rounds anymore. So I could see them doing good in the group, but I'm just not like sold on that team at all. Cyclops, um, as the Apex scholar here, you know, they're obviously really good. Uh, I watched one of their games and they did okay, <laughs> if I remember. 
So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Exa is just like, honestly, like at the start of the season, they th- I think they lost their first three games, right? Like, they went 0-2 and then they started league. winning, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just like found their groove. I know like it's been like a pretty large adjustment for them. Spirits has the IGL in English, which is not like his primary language. And it took him a little bit to adjust, but like I think they've been playing like lights out for the last like four weeks, well, four play days of uh, NAL. And like I don't know, they have a sense of confidence around them that just seems like unbeatable right now. Like not only are they confident, but like they're having a good time, they're having fun, they're not taking it too seriously. And like I don't think they're a team that will like succumb to nerves at like a land event, even though it's like they're pretty new like players overall. It's a very like, young team, just in terms of like age. Gomez, it's a very young team. Yeah, but like really, like Kino Yogg Spirits, those guys all played at and multiple invites or at least one invite. Furia, I haven't watched them that much, but uh, I think Twister's their coach, right? Yep. Yeah, I know him. So smart guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll they'll do good. Like, I, it just feels like every BR team that has like these young players does good. So, I don't know. I don't know how to predict the group. I'd just say X at one. Ace. Group B, um, I mean, I think I, I agree with Slash that X set are going to do very well in this group. Um, I think it's a really good draw for X set because they've got Bodega as coach who has spent years playing against particularly two of these teams, Furia and Liquid. They're teams that he knows very, very well, players that he knows very, very well, and I would expect Xset to be set up extremely solidly to play against these teams. In terms of the others, Liquid, I think, are looking better than they have in a long time. They made the couple of changes, obviously with Moringa and Sexy Cake leaving the roster, um, and then they brought in Ask and Resets who surprised us all at Invitational, I think we have to remember. We weren't sure what we were going to get from Liquid at Invitational. We were expecting them to struggle a little bit, but they were actually pretty solid. And Ask and Resets had some big moments, and they really stepped up when the pressure was on. Didn't, you know, exceeded expectations, but overall for Liquid, you know, you maybe want them winning an Invitational at some point. But we knew that it was going to be a longer road than that for them with these couple of changes. This now is question time for me. They've solidified more. They are more settled now. They've been doing a great job. And there is a real opportunity. I'm being careful because I don't want to build the expectation for Liquid too much. There's a lot of people coming in saying, this is Liquid's tournament. This is the one they're going to win. And how many times have we said that about Liquid? And they have the problem when they get to the semi-finals or final. So there's still work to be done for them, but Ask and Resets have been not just good, but getting better and better as well. Um, you know, you're seeing Nesk and Palu's kills come down a little bit. You're seeing theirs go up a little bit. It's a little bit more of a team performance. So I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Liquid coming into the tournament. Furia. Furia never know when they're beaten. I say it every time and I will continue saying it every time. They are just not aware that they should be beaten. Whether they're 6-0 down, it doesn't matter. The start of the BR6, I think they won one out of the first five and still qualified to Copa Elite 6. They just don't care that they should be beaten. And that makes them a very, very difficult team to play against. The problem that they had previously was the roster. They, of course, have Fantasy, who is just an absolute demon. 
I'm scared of him and I don't even play against him. But they had trouble with the back line backing him up. Two of them have gone. Lender and Highs leave. You get Handy and STK coming in. STK coming from Santos. Highs, uh, sorry, Handy coming from uh, one of the lower sort of Challenger League equivalent teams. So they've had the couple of roster changes. It gives them a little bit of a free pass, maybe takes the pressure off because they've had the changes. How are they going to settle in? But also, does it solve some of them problems? That's going to be the big question. Do we see those two players, particularly Handy and STK, step up a little bit more? But I think it's going to be a tough tournament for Furia, if I'm honest. Um, and then the last team that we've got inside of there, Cyclops. Cyclops are a team that I have been frustrated by repeatedly in stage one of APAC North. Mag's laughing because he knows it's the truth. You don't know what you're going to get. They are so inconsistent. It's ridiculous. Predicting them was a nightmare because they will turn up and absolutely eviscerate a team or they will turn up and look like they've loaded into a terrorist hunt. It's a nightmare trying to predict them sometimes. Um, I love Cyclops as a team. They are the most fun to watch. They're so unpredictable and they're going to bring those unexpected players that we love to see from APAC. They're going to bring the shields. They're just going to be a nightmare. But are they going to turn up and deliver the best? It's a big question mark for Cyclops. If they do... They, they could go through from this group, but but it will be a surprise package if they do. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, one <laughs> second. Antara, could you just check our group chat for a sec? I need to check something. Anyways, so, while Intero checks that, my overall thoughts, Liquid's come out on top. I think we can all agree on that. They won Latam, arguably the hardest region domestically to win um, and to qualify for these events because not only do you have to be the best in your own region, but then like after they do whatever the first thing's called, they go into the bigger tournament and play against like the other teams that come up. It's really confusing, but they play a lot of games um, and it is a lot harder to come out of that. So for sure, I think especially also because of their experience, Liquid should be coming out on top. Cyclops. Now, we shouldn't call them Cyclops. We should be calling them Choclops, maybe. Um, it's, it's it's Seriously, it's really getting to the point that they can't win one round. They're on match point every time. I'm not going to say it in tarot. Say it. You can say they it. Just, I don't care. They can't finish on a hot girl's chest. <laughs> so many rounds. Sorry. So many games. They're on six to whatever. It doesn't matter what they, if they're on six, they're gonna they're gonna lose. Okay. Um and even what was it against team one at the major? They needed to lose by no less than two seven, was it? Yeah. And they couldn't even do that. So look, they do some really aggressive things. They always seem to upset a lot of teams, but they just can't close it out. And it's been, what, a year now, maybe even more, that they've been saying to themselves and publicly that they need to work on their mental game and they're going to improve on their mental so they can close out games. And I just don't see it um, happening in this tournament because even against Elevate, they were 6-3 up, map 2 in the APAC finals, and they lost 6-8. So I don't think... They're going to be getting out of groups as well. They've never actually made it out of groups. If ever. They've correct. never made it out of yeah, groups. They've, they've been made it to like five international events. They've never made it out of a group. Yeah. So look, they just got to get their stuff together. 
Um, and I don't think they're going to be able to, especially against you know teams like Liquid and Furia. Furia, uh, I watch every single Latam game ever. I don't miss a single game, a single round, a single minute. Furia, they are behind double set. They're technically, what, fourth as well, like XM? Yeah. Um, so I think they're going to be the other team to come out of the group. You think Fury is going to make it out of the group? Yeah, I think, think Fury is going to come out uh, ahead of Exit. Okay. Yep, I think they're going to come out because Twist is their coach, and he just he gets that he gets that to happen. You got Diz and I especially have a really good rapport with Twister, and he he does some work. So I definitely think they're going to be the other team to come out of the group. Exit. I'm not the uh, the guru like Slash over here, but I think they've sort of scraped by into making the international. I've just quickly looked at Liquipedia, that's why I say that. Um, <laughs> and I've just seen that they do <laughs> they do lose to the better teams and the more seasoned teams in the NAL. Um, so look, I really think that they can get some good experience from this. Good on them if they can upset someone, but I think it's a double Latam out of Group B. I, uh... I'd actually love to add up how many games Cyclops has played internationally without making it out of groups because, I mean, their, their contemporaries in APAC were that Mantis FPS Cloud9 Sandbox team, which also really struggled to make it out of groups for a long time and then finally, you know, broke that curse. Cyclops, as you said, are just every round is different. They could be having the greatest game of their lives and then they'll, they'll just throw two rounds in a row and you'll be sitting there as a caster thinking like, what the fuck happened? Like, what are you doing? You know, and it's just, it's so baffling. It's really, it's... really baffling. And like the, the thing with Cyclops is that they're always a feel good story, right? It, even when they're losing, they're getting shellacked, they're playing poorly, they never look it, they're always happy, they're always having a good time, and they always just kind of, you know, like, this is fun. And as we go back to, you know, Group A, teams that go to play for experience and don't necessarily go with the goal of winning, the teams, it seems to imbue those teams with like a, a, sense of power and accomplishment that is absent from teams that are there to, you know, we have so much pressure on our shoulders. Do I think that that is enough for Cyclops to make it out of this group? No, I don't. The best opportunity that Cyclops had to make it out of a group, as many will recall, was back in Mexico when that freak occurrence happened against Team 1. In They're not going to lose 7-2, Parker. Not. They're not going to lose 7-2. <laughs> yeah. It's only 7-2 can do it. Were you casting that match, by the way? Yes, I was. It was 2 a.m., yeah. I think, well, it was. It finished at about one thirty a.m. Um, and because at the last minute we'd had to cast from home, uh, yeah. my family was at home. Which, if I'm casting a late night tournament from home like that, they're not usually. Um, but for reasons they were, and I was like, "Look, we need to get this game going." Like, my wife is not going to be happy when I'm shouting at two thirty in the morning when this is finishing. Um, but yeah, I did. I cast that, and I cast the tiebreaker, and it, it was the most fun. It was such a good game. I mean, there were people around the whole esports industry saying, you know, this has never happened in our league, like ever. You know, this kind of tiebreaker, a need for another game was astonishing. And that was the best look that Cyclops had. Cyclops didn't fare all that well at SI, you know, the event that just transpired. I don't see them making it out of this group. I think they're probably going to finish last. And I hate to be that guy, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not high on a team that consistently finishes last in all of their groups or at least close to last. And I don't think there's any gimmies here. You know, like when they were in that group with the Sonics at Mexico, the Sonics looked like a shell of themselves. That was their first international event. They had a lot to learn and Cyclops were able to take advantage of that. And Sonics looked very poor at that event. 
And Cyclops picked up a free win off of it, you know, and then they beat Team One, who also looked quite bad at one point. I don't think Cyclops in a best of one, I don't think they have the strength to go toe to toe with these teams. You know, the one thing I will say about Xset is that even in the matches that Xset lost, with the exception of the first two games they ever played, the next two games that they lost were both eight, seven losses to Astralis and OXG, the first and second best teams in North America. So you're losing, but you need all 15 rounds to do it against the two teams that at that point were ahead of you. They eventually ended up getting leapfrogged by DZ on the final play day. So for me, that Xset team is like the polar opposite of Cyclops. If Cyclops will be in a round and you have no idea what to expect, Xset don't give up free rounds. It doesn't matter how close or how far it is. The end result of a round, you're almost always on the edge of your seat unless Xset sweeps you off, you know, cleans the floor with you. Even when they're losing, Xset is always in it. And that's something that, you know, we saw from Team 1 in Mexico. That's something that we used to talk about FaZe Clan the old empire roster G2, these teams, even when they're behind, you never count them out ever. I honestly feel like Xset is still that team. And I think that this liquid roster is as well. I'm glad you pointed it out, Tim, because there's a lot more depth on this squad. Yeah. Everybody's like, Oh, Palu and Nesk, Palu and Nesk, Palu and Nesk. But Ask and Resets have settled in really nicely. Ask's stats are far sexier than Resets, but I think Resets is by far and away the most important part of that team who gets the least amount of attention. So if I'm looking at this group, I think Liquid and Xset are the favorites. I think the matchup between Liquid and Xset is going to be easily the best match of that group and might be one of the best matches of all of the groups for the record. Uh, I don't really have a high opinion of Furia. They're a good middle of the pack team. I think in a weaker group, maybe they make it out of that group. If you put them in group A instead of team one, I honestly think they make it out of that group. But I don't know about here. I just, I don't see Furia edging out Liquid and with the way that Xset played in NA, making every single round super scrappy and super competitive. I don't have any reason to think that Xset won't perform very well. That's my general feel of Group B. And, you know, we can rank them now, unless there's anything else y'all would like to add. I think it's going to be probably Liquid first in the group, Xset second, Furia third, and Cyclops fourth. That's if I'm ranking Group B. I'd have to agree with that, but just to add quickly one more thing to CAG. They do not have an IGL. I've I would explain before, things. They do not have an IGL, and the two things that will make them close out games is leadership and discipline. Will they get it overnight? No. So, look, it's yeah. I don't think anything's going to change until they get either an IGL or, actually, that's it. That's just an IGL, really. Just to say, guys, all right, we've got man advantage. Let's stop. Let's come back. Um, but they're really hard stuck on their type of play style, which is just being the best individual players out there. Um, credit to them for making it work as good as, good as it does to a point. Um, but unless, you know, someone steps up and actually tries to change something, um, I don't think they're going to come out. But for sure, I agree with Liquid number one. Oh, did you say? You said I said Xset number two. All right, I'm still on Fury. We'll do the rankings now, sure. Okay, um, Liquid number one. I think Fury is going to be number two. Double a double the 10 out of um, Group B, then Xset, and then CAG. I will add one point 
uh, that we haven't mentioned for Liquid, which I think is very important, and it sort of plays into Ask and Resets as well, is PSK is getting overlooked repeatedly in as this lineup. Has, by the way. As he always has. Yeah. And those two are doing an unreal job at facilitating PSK to do amazing things. And he will continue to do so. So keep an eye on PSK. And he is another strength that Liquid have got. Um, so for me, I feel like I want to put Liquid at the top. But, 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 but I think there is also another maybe small point that we can't overlook. And that is Bodega coaching Xset. Xset are going to come in very well prepared. And I'm going to put them at the top. I think Xset are going to surprise. They're going to take top spot. Liquid takes second. It pains me to say Fury a third because I'm good friends with Twister. He's a fantastic coach. And I think he will. I think the roster changes will be the right thing for the team. I think they maybe just haven't had quite long enough to, to bed in yet. Um, you know, and I'm sure that Bodega is going to be familiar with the players that have come in as well. So I don't think there's going to be any sort of surprises there. And I think Fury have maybe just taken a little bit of a step back to take two or three forward down the line. So I think Fury a third and I think Cyclops frustrate again and they're just inconsistent and come through fourth. Uh, I'm going to put Exit at one. I think they are the main characters of this event. They have plot armor. They will make it pretty far. Probably like a heartbreaking defeat in the semis to make a good story so that when they do the sequel, they can win it. Um, <laughs> Liquid, I'm going to put second, but then they immediately lose and choke. They're going to be like the, the bad guy in the movie where they're, like, the best team, but they're going to, like, lose in the playoffs. Uh, Cyclops fourth because, you know, as I've observed, like, they choke games because I watch a lot of their games. You know, they tend to choke. And uh, Fury a third because that's the last spot for them. And I ranked all the other teams. <laughs> I, I really do feel badly for that Furia roster, but I, I do wonder if Furia can surprise us. Uh, the same way that MIBR did, because, uh, you know, I observed back in, in SI 2022, just as in SI 2021, on paper, the MIBR roster doesn't hold a candle to at least half of the other teams there, yet both events, they finished very high up, you know, in the top six. And it, it's kind of puzzling because you watch them play and they're consistent, but they're not really doing anything all that flashy. I kind of see Furia in that same boat, but the big caveat here is that if fantasy gets shut down, that whole team's ability to win does still really drop. And I don't know if changing that supporting cast, as you talked about, Tim, is enough to elevate them to a point where they can make it out of the group because great players do fall off internationally. You know, like we've seen Nesk get shut down. You know, we've seen Joystick get shut down. Like we've seen... Shiko. We've seen Shiko get shut down. You know, if and it happens quite frequently. And if fantasy has like even one or two bad games... In a in a round robin best of one series, if fantasy is a bad day, that could I mean that could be it for for Fury and how competitive that group is going to be. I'd agree, and that's the big question for Fury. Um, at this, that's that's the key thing that I'm going to be watching for with Fury at this major is how do those two new players, Handy and STK, how do they perform? How do they fit into the roster as a whole and what does that do in terms of fantasy's performance and, more importantly, a lack of a fantasy performance? And I think it's going to be very telling for what we can expect from this Furia squad for the next 
nine months, ten months um, until the next Invitational. Any other points to bring up on Group B? Anything that you think we missed? No. All right. Well, great. That that settles it. So just to recap for those that haven't really been listening to every single bit, the general consensus is that Liquid is going to make it out of the group. That was the favorite to do well. Exet also up there. Uh, there's some belief that Furia might be able to make it out, but Cyclops will definitely not. And I think all of us ranked Cyclops in fourth, and, and I really do think that it, it it's so frustrating as somebody who I, I'm the kind of guy who it's like I cheer on the underdog and APAC as a region is now the underdog, right? You know, I was cheering on LATAM when APAC was still finding its footing because I wanted LATAM to be able to compete. And I think in the best interest of our esport, if every region is competitive, there are standout performers in APAC, but as a whole, the region still has more ground to make up and seeing teams like Cyclops who are consistent enough in their region to make lands, but not consistent enough to make it out of groups is really frustrating, especially when they are just a really nice team of fun characters that are enjoyable to watch. So, you know, it's everybody loved Nora Rengo, not necessarily because of their abilities. They were a good team, but because of the personality behind a lot of those players. And I feel like Cyclops has that same personality and that same charm, but with far less success. And that's, that's quite frustrating. So so you're saying they need to be less happy. Like, they need to be... They need to be miserable. miserable. Yeah, they yeah. need to be miserable. I agree. I agree. Yeah? Does misery, yeah. misery make for better results? Yes. There you go. Uh, by the way, that region, the Exet squad, is also from North America, still a majority Brazilian squad. So, fun fun fact. It's technically two Brazilian teams, but um, three-fourths of that group are, are Brazilian players. So, uh, Group C, moving on. Dark Zero... Uh, sits atop the group right now, just in terms of the rankings that we have, which I'm a little surprised by because technically the, the top two teams should be Heroic and W7M, but this group is widely referred to as the group of death. Uh, Dark Zero finished third overall in the North American League to get to the point that they are at. They are also joined by G2 Esports, who squeaked in with one of the worst performances of their entire season in the very final play day of EUL. If Rogue had played better, G2 would not have made it. This is that G2 super team with Prano and Ali Mao and Doki now on it. Uh, obviously very high expectations on this team, uh, but yet to materialize. I think they've been a little bit overshadowed by another team that's in the group, which is Heroic, who look like by far and away the best team in the EUL. They finished first. That's the old Kavana squad. They added Benjamaster and Uno in the offseason, and it's nice to see Uno succeeding again. And then the last team in the group, but certainly not least, is W7M Esports, who've been around the Rainbow Six ecosystem for a while, but they picked up a new roster and they finished first in BR6 and second in Copa Elite, falling only to Team Liquid. Do we have a consensus that this is the group of death of the of the entire Charlotte Major? I think it's a very difficult group. Do I think it's necessarily the most difficult? I'm not sure. There's some other good groups there as well. Um, and I think there's maybe very high expectations of some teams that maybe they shouldn't be quite such high expectations of. I think I agree with Ace. Well, some people do call it the group of death on the surface. I think this group actually will be a lot easier to predict than, say, Team A. Oh, sorry, Group A. 
I also think we're sorry, Slash. I, I think we're also much more likely to see late stage teams and late tournament teams come from other groups. Yeah, I think I think G two might be a little overrated. I think they're living a little bit off name recognition. I they haven't been playing very well, in my opinion. I think they tried too hard to build like a super team instead of like trying to get like undiscovered talent, which is usually what propels a team. I feel like it, like what has drastically increased like teams' performances is it's not building a super team. It's you know I think, undervalued players. Yeah. I, I think it's Oh, who mentioned it once? I think it was Des. It's like your two entries, your one support one hard support player, one flex support, and then one flex player. And that sort of combination is what can give teams a lot of consistency. But when building super teams like this, I think the thing that um, the team builds miss out on are the enabling players. The players that will drone for you, that will set up this for you, that will call things for you, that will tell you to take areas and whatnot. And that chemistry between the fraggers and the enablers and the hard support players is what creates great chemistry. So when you have all these players that have just been taken, taken, taken from these enablers, um, they're just going to start taken from each other. You know, it's a bit, of, it's, it's push and pull. Um, and when, you know, these star players, like say Doki, um, don't have these enablers to help them, um, I think they can really start to have an, a decrease in their performance. And I think the team sort of cohesion and synergy will start to drop when they aren't working together and focusing more on what they can do instead of sort of going more like, what can I do to help my teammate instead? So I think that's definitely what I think is uh, the you know problem with these super teams sort of per se. Yeah, I think they, they definitely undervalue being enabled. I'm not saying this happens to G2 or the players, but it's like, you know, if you're constantly at the top of the scoreboard on your team, and you, you know, can start to develop an ego and think like, well, if I just had four players who were as good as me, we'd be a good team. But like, I think we've seen it not work out more than it has. And like, people call the old G2 a super team, but... When that team formed, it was not like a super team. It became a super team because of how well they played together. Right. And this is more of like a traditional super team where it's just like you got like the five best players in your region pretty much, regardless of like fit or or role. To to tack on to what you said about that, and it's already apparent that G2 is going to be the story of this group, <laughs> is that you look at the teams that have won events recently. Right, TSM one. Were they a super team? No, I mean Merck and Bolo, as big as a profile as Bolo had as a content creator, they were both very untested young players from a competitive sense. Right? You had the old hands yeah. of you had the old hands of Geo and, and Chala who've been around for eternity. Achieved was I mean, I even remember how Achieved spent like six seasons grinding out Challenger League before finally making it up to pro play. I mean, he was a tenured player at a tier two perspective, but he certainly wasn't the tier one phenom that he is now. You know, look at Ninjas in Pajamas. That was the same three players, that same core that picked up Musi and Pino, both young players, both of whom were highly touted prospects, and they were young talent. You know, FaZe. Look at look at FaZe. FaZe is a bit of a super team, sure. We'll give them that. But then go to Team 1. Team 1 was like all young gunners. There literally wasn't like any veterans on that squad 
whatsoever. Space Station had Rampy and Fultz as two young players. The only real super team aspect was when they picked up Troy to be their IGL. So if you go back and you look at all of these teams that have won international events recently, the vast majority align with what you said, Slash, which is that you pick up these young, hungry players that are not maybe not overlooked, but are not, you know, like a team picking up Skies and Hot and Cold or Bosco now or picking up Prano and Doki and Alimau to bring over to your team, which is already a team that is historically been filled to the brim with egos. Just adding more to that, there's no like young and upcoming talent that's been added to this G2 roster. And if you look at the G2 roster over the last like two years, they really haven't been bringing anybody young up. What was it? Yonka? Yonka was like the only like unknown player that they brought up out of, you know, the rest of them have all been known quantities that are superstars and they keep trying to assemble this, you know, super team with Hungry on it and with, you know, I guess Kayak was a younger player too that they picked up. But other than that, G2 just keeps trying to find all of these top players and fit them into the mold. And it, it really isn't working as well as the old G2 roster or as well as other teams, which are doing the opposite, which is they're picking up younger players. I think that's very, uh, it's very true and very apparent in EUL at the minute. If we look at who the top players, um, the most dangerous players inside of EUL, aside from, you know, the obvious names like Shaiko, you've got players like Mowgli, you've got players like Benja coming through and they are brand new names and they are doing very, very well. And I think Slash, you've probably hit the nail on the head with it in that super teams are developed, they're not picked um you know a super team is is that because it became it because it earned it because you know it, it grew to to that status rather than just being formed in that status um i'm still hopeful for this g2 roster i am um they need time that that much is is a fact you know that we've seen that in eul they've had inconsistency in results they've had you know small mistakes there within the team and it just comes from needing to play more together. Um, you know, if that time does gel them as a group, then yes, they could be a very, very dangerous team. Is that guaranteed because of the names that are on there? Absolutely not. Um, so yeah, I think I think G2 for me are gonna be not I won't say out of the depth because you know all the players on the team have been there, they've done it, they've got the experience. But I think as a team unit, and I think somebody mentioned, uh, you know, in a meta whereby teamwork is pretty important at the minute, having that cohesion and just going and getting your frags and playing off each other's contacts, I think G2 may struggle in this group. Yeah, I think, like, they've they've definitely made, like, some of the players have made strides to, you know, kind of fall out of the spotlight a little bit. Like, watching their games, like, Virtue is like, statistically not had the best season if I'm correct, from the games I watched. I haven't looked at the stats, but you can see him playing more support and, like, trying to, you know, facil facilitate his teammates more than, you know, probably anyone else on the team besides Prano, who's, like, that's his job. But I think it's just, like, a time thing until they find, like, the right share of the spotlight for all of them in order to make it work. But I think, like, if they get into the situation where they all want the spotlight, it's just it'll crash and burn. Virtue's been an interesting one. I mean, you teamed with the Meg. He was, yeah. you know, when Virtue was picked up, the stocks on Virtue were through the roof. I mean, there's a reason why G2 imported him off of your team. And when your team was at that point, your team was performing better than G2. 
and they took virtue off of the team and, and brought him over. Uh, and to see him, I don't want to say regress, but I, I do agree with Slash. He's stepped back. He doesn't court the spotlight. You know, it, it would have been very easy for Virtue to remain an entry and be super flashy and play on a team and be able to just light it up. But he's taken that less sexy role in hopes of propelling the team forward. Prano also has a very, very small social media footprint. I feel like that whole team has actually become a lot quieter on social media this stage. And maybe that's a deliberate Maybe that's a deliberate decision to try and lessen the blowback that is seen when they perform poorly and people say, like, we just did and I just did. It's like, you got a lot of egos on the team. Maybe they're deliberately trying to shield themselves from that. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a lot harder to be, like, bolsterous on social media when you're not winning all your games. Like, <laughs> you can't really come out and talk shit and then, like, you're, like, in sixth place, so. I mean, tell that to Super and Drip. I mean, those two are the exceptions, I would say. Rather than the, the rule. Fair. But yeah. Man, the other teams, there, are, there are actually three other teams in Group C, so... Yeah, I was going to say, we've spent 10 <laughs> minutes talking about G2, which is how things tend to work out. Uh, other than G2, this is a hard group. I mean, you've got, you've got four really good teams in this group. So if we if we set G2 aside, and we'll rank them later at the end, what's the general read of the group, Meg, when you look at the other three teams? W7M. Definitely the team to look, the real team to look out for. Not just because of the name, but as a team, I think W7M are going to win their group. I think they're, they're actually, they have the highest defensive win rate in the world. Um, and I think it's almost it's almost a change of meta, I could say. Um, I think definitely compared to like the NA and EU sort of style, um, you'll do your, you know, maybe shoot a drone fall back to your positions, to your crossfires, but these guys won't give you an inch. W7M will make you work for every single centimeter or inch, if you're, you know, American, of map control. You just have to work for every little bit of map control with them. And I think it might just throw a lot of teams off and... It's it works it works in Latam. So and you know, while they also will have the best defense in the world, they're no team to do bad on, on attack as well. Um and you know, it was a close series against Liquid Ace, was it? It was close, right? I think it was close. In the finals of the uh Top really six, no liquid yes. ones. Okay, never mind. Well, either way, Liquid are in great shape. W seven M in that group look really, really good. Um, so I'll probably just move on to Heroic. I think Heroic will take the second spot. Obviously, they're the best team in EUL, you know, and I think these two teams fit the two profiles that they have really good chemistry, synergy, and teamwork, and they win their ones. I think the meta right now is at a point where if you have really good synergy with your teammates and you win your ones, you're going to do great. So... Heroic and W7M are going to be on top. Number three, between Dark Zero and G2, honestly, I don't know. I think either of them could be third or fourth. I feel like they're uh, sort of in the same spot um, because they've sort of just scraped by to get to the major. Um, so are those two, I don't know who will be third and who will be fourth, but for sure, W7M first and Heroic second. 
Tim, I would like you to jump in here, but we have not talked about Dark Zero at all. Yeah. Why is that? Maybe we should give it to the the uh, the NA scholar. No, he's the Apex uh, scholar. I, I tell you what, let me yeah, say something. Let me say something, and let and then we'll let let Slash come in as as the NA scholar. For me, I look at Dark Zero, and I, this is going to be really simple. I look at Dark Zero, and the more time goes on, the less I see them as a LAN tournament team. Okay. Why is that? That was that result. <laughs> result. <laughs> Six Invitational, Sweden Major, just the results at the big tournaments, just they never seem to deliver at the big tournaments. And I always want them to, because I enjoy watching them play, but they just never seem to deliver at the big tournaments. It was they finished eighth yeah. in Sweden, or eighth in Mexico. They got grouped in Sweden. They finished top eight in Seventh, SI. Seventh, eighth, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um... Dark Zero, I think like they're definitely in a better spot now than they were at the start of the season. Um, I think like they've really picked it up end of the season, fixed a lot of the mistakes they were making. So I could see them doing well in this group. I don't know. It's hard for me to hard for me to say because I know how good the players are on that team, and like how like good of a leader Troy can be. But I mean, I don't think they've had like the worst results at land outside of like Sweden for most teams, like making top eight at every major would be like a great achievement. So maybe it's just like fatigue with dark zero where we see them so much that you expect more out of them. But I think they could definitely bring it. I think they, they might, they need to try like innovating a little more in their game. Cause they've played very similar for a long time. And I think they're starting to get like red a little more than they used to. What, didn't, they, like, didn't they change that at SI though? Wasn't that why Troy was playing more of like the fragging operators and now through like NAL they've like really wildly swapping up roles? Uh, I mean, you can swap roles, but it doesn't necessarily swap the play style. Uh, I think they'll do good, to be honest. Like, they, they really picked it up at the end of the season. Like, from playing them in our game where we went 8 7 with them, where it was like they didn't it didn't feel like they were playing very well and they were making a lot of obvious mistakes to like their last couple of games like they definitely improved and if i'm not wrong was si Troy's first event with the team or was it sweden or was uh, it mexico i think I don't it, was, think it was mexico i think he was in sweden yeah i think it was, I was sweden i was retired during those so i didn't pay yeah sweden sweden was his first event and they got grouped and i remember but I, I remember the comparisons to when he first joined SSG and SSG were not very good for like the first like four months or something like that after he joined. And then they won USN and people were like, okay, well, it took some time for them to adjust. Yeah, I think, you know, give Troy some time. Like, it's hard to count him out. He's just like, he, he's just like a winner. I don't know how else to put it. Like, he brings success to like every team he's joined. And maybe this is like his time for Dark Zero. The, think... uh, the the one thing I will say about, about Dark Zero that, you know, why do we, why do we judge them so harshly when, you know, they finish top eight at two of the last three events, which I think, again, Slash is right, is that if teams are finishing in the playoffs or above consistently, I mean, no team is going to be happy with that, especially when they, you know, are used to winning and Troy is very used to winning. But I think the big reason why the the focus on DZ is so bright is because this is an org that has made like 
gone to painstaking lengths to show how much money they spend on Rainbow Six. Like, we're building a million-dollar mansion and facility in Vegas. You know, we will spend any money that we need to to pick up whatever players we want, and they've been very aggressive with roster moves, so much so that I don't know if it holds now, but before the roster window opened, after SI 2022, they had made the most roster changes of the big teams in North America, and yet... They were the only team that had not seen any real success. Space Station won an international event. TSM won an international event, you know, and DZ's place of the big four, which was OXG, SSG, TSM, and them, was quite poor. And now the Sonics are nipping at their heels as well for relevancy in North America and challenging them in that spot in the top. So I think that's why we scrutinize Dark Zero so much because they go out of their way to be like, we're the best, we're going to spend the best. We went and we got Troy, we brought him out of retirement, we brought in Pengu as a content creator, you know, we bought out Hyper, you know, for we we got NJR off of that Disrupt Squad. We built a million dollar mansion, and then people are clowning on them because, again, like, you have no trophies. Whereas it's like the Sonics won the NAL and have a trophy, and they spend way less money and are far quieter about it. So... I think that kind of plays a part. I think it's the same thing with G2. G2 goes out of their way to be super showy as an org and as a team. So when they perform poorly, the the scrutiny is far more, is far higher than with other teams. Like if Heroic doesn't do all that well, I don't think there's going to be that much scrutiny on them, even though they are the best team in EUL. Yeah, I think, I, th I think, you know, both of what you've said there is, is a very good um, answer to, you know, my feelings about Dark Zero. And that is that A, the, re the results have been, pretty reasonable and like you say a lot of teams are going to be very happy with that but it's just this expectation that for me has built up around the org that you know I'd, and it's not necessarily an expectation that i feel like they should be winning it's that i want them to win i want to see that success you know because they are entertaining to watch and they have been a, a great part of the community and everything else so you know i want to see it and so it's always a bit of a dis it always feels a disappointment it always feels like this is a, a team that should be going further and you know maybe this will be the one where they do but it's not going to be easy for them because looking at the other two teams that they've got in the group w7m and heroic um i mean to start with heroic as you've said best team in eul by a reasonable distance um you know the the one clear win seven of the games um in in normal time was it eight i think they finished on um they, they were very difficult for teams to get near were heroic but one big asterisk that i have to put there one big thing i have to preface and it pains me to say it is that I don't think EU is in its strongest position that it's been in for a good time now. Um, so whilst Heroic have done really well within EUL, I think that maybe puts them on a par with other regions' teams rather than putting them above those teams because they've done so well. Um, because I, I don't think EUL has been at its strongest, to be honest. BDS have been a little bit wobbly. We'll get on to them. Um, G2, as we've said, new roster, you know, problems to work out and so yeah i think you know there's there's been a lot going on inside of eul that have sort of assisted heroic but at the same time they've taken full advantage of it and they go about the business quietly the changes that they've made um benger has done fantastically well great gunner but also sloth deserves a big mention here because sloth really struggled last time around um you know overall through through the last year he, he was up and down and we know that he can be a good gunner and he really seems to have found his place now he really seems to have found his form and he's been putting up numbers so far in eul so sloth is 
definitely one to watch out for as well. Um, there's been big talk about Anarchic's move from player into the coaching side of the staff. Um, and again, Mr. Officer has, has you know, loaded him with credit to say that he's done a great job, that he's got a really good mind for, for the game and that he's been really helping on the strategic side of stuff. So Anarchic doing a great job in the background as well. And yeah, I think overall the team looking good they've had uno come in who seems to have just brought a really level head and a lot of experience with him and just the org mr officer whether it's on social media whether it's in the server they just seem to be getting a lot of things right at the minute and doing it really really sort of properly and really well and they definitely want to watch mag you've been quiet there's no APAC team, so he doesn't know any of them. <laughs> this is partly true. Um, no, I mean, I was the first person to start on this group anyway. I know. Oh, I mean, you I've started. honestly have been having micro sleeps, but look, no, I think I summed heroic up well. We we did G two at the start. Um, DZ, you know, Slash was the man, and the last team was W7M. We did. You guys didn't speak much on W7M. I wonder what you guys think of W7M. Intero. Uh, I mean, this is a very young team. I think Keys has been an unbelievable performer for the squad, and <clears throat> we talked about this before the show went live. So the people that are watching now didn't get to hear any of this, but you know, I I still find it extremely challenging to do any kind of recon work on the tier two and tier three scenes in Brazil. Uh, I, number one, the fact that they, you know, speak Portuguese entirely makes it really tough as an English speaker, uh, especially when Google Translate is just so poor at being able to decipher what's being said. But, you know, you have all of these players on W7M who seemingly come up out of nowhere, and I know that there's going to be people in chat who are like, well, actually, they came from here. The average viewer doesn't know who any of these players are. And then they pop up and they start slaying and they start doing really well. And I'm getting that kind of like team one vibe off of this W7M roster where it's like they're young. They've got a lot to prove. You know, they're they're going to be competing at their first international event. They The sky is the limit for them, but they're coming into a very tough group with the way that they have deftly handled LATAM. I don't see any of the other three teams in this group as good as liquid as good as phase when phase is playing at their best as good as team one or furia consistently day in and day out so if if i have to pick teams from this group which it is crazy to me that we might have like g2 or dz finish fourth in the group by the way i don't think w7m is a team that isn't going to make it out of groups i think they for sure make it out of the group i just don't know where because I see these matchups with these four teams as every single best of one is going to be a coin flip. It's going to come down to what map do you play on and how do you go about it? You noted right at the beginning that W7M has the best defensive win rate of any team in the world. They play a really aggressive defense style where they roam. They make you fight for, I think you said they fight for every inch of the map, which is very yep. accurate. Teams are exceptionally hard done by on entry against this team, but you've got two fantastic entries on G2, Doki and Citizen are great on entry together. You've got Pamba, NJR, and Hyper as entries on DZ. And these are the two weak teams of the group, quote unquote, in G2 and DZ. How are they going to stack up to W7M's crazy roams and very aggressive style of defense? 
I don't know. And again, I think it's a coin flip. It's going to come round by round. It's going to come down to the maps. I don't know W7M's map pool all that well, but it doesn't seem to matter what fucking map they play on because they wipe the floor with their opponents either way. I think they're going to make it out of the group. I think they're the best team in the group. And I do agree with Ace that I don't think this is EUL's tournament at all. I think most of the EU teams here are quite weak. And I don't know how well I feel about G2 and Heroic, especially a team like Heroic, which does not have real LAN experience the way that the other three or the other two teams in G2 and DZ do. That's a really important point about Heroic. It would be my one, if I was writing a, you know, a, a pros and cons list for Heroic, the top of the list in their difficulties will be that lack of LAN experience and how quickly they adapt to that. Um, you know, that being said, I think, again, it's something that Mr. Officer can probably deal with pretty well as a coach to prepare them for, um, and he will be well aware of that and will work to prepare them for it. So W7M, I I, I want to dial the expectation down a little bit. Um, they've done very well through BR6. I was a little bit concerned about the map pool. Um, as you say, they do seem to win on most. They don't like Skyscraper. Um, but I, I asked Lagonis about the map pool, and he was actually very positive about it and said, you know, from my point of view, you know, they're, they're pretty solid in most places. But I was just, I don't know. I think they're a little bit unproven in best of three. Um so do they get through to the playoffs and then maybe sort of struggle to to progress too far in the playoffs? Maybe I'd, I don't know. I'd, I just feel like it's a little bit of a roll of the dice to this W7M side. Um, and I think there's maybe a bit too much expectation. I think they're very good. They've got very good players. Um, but, you know, we can't, we can't say, well, Heroic might struggle because it's their first LAN and not say the same about W7M. You know, it's going to be true for, for many of the teams. And, I think they are a gamble in the group as to whether they turn up and perform to the same level as we've seen um, inside of, of the Brasileiro or not. I'm not sort of 100% convinced yet. Uh, just touching on that best of three comment, the only single best of three that in the last six months that W7M has lost has been the Liquid and it was twice, right? Mm. They lost in the upper bracket and they lost in the grand finals. Other than that, I mean, they took out Furious 2-0, which no offense to no offense to the other Latin America teams, but Brazil really does dominate Copa Elite. And then they beat Furia 2-0, and then they beat Furia 2-0 in the rematch as well. And the thing about the the rematch and the initial the initial games is that uh Furious almost beat them on Cafe, but then after that, Furia didn't get more than four rounds on any map in best of threes. So I, I do agree with you. It's it's a lot easier for you to like conceal things and play a best of three on Copa Elite against your own, you know, fellow countrymen, fellow regional opponents, but it's a lot harder to do that against like an APAC team or an NA team that you might not be fully prepared for. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I think, to be honest, the, the reality with W7M is, and I don't want, you know, this to be taken away as like, oh, it says they're not going to do any good. They may well come out and absolutely dominate the tournament. The point is they have one of the biggest question marks next to them for me as to, they're just an unknown quantity. What are we going to get? You know, like you say, you know, the players haven't necessarily, to us, they feel like they've come out of nowhere, this roster, this lineup. Um, you know, there's only really herds there that has been consistently um, with W7M for for a, a real length of time. And, you know, I know two of them have then been there um, consistently together since last year and then two have joined recently but yeah they just have one of the biggest question marks for me in in the whole tournament 
if we were to rank them? Before we rank them, actually, is there anything else that anybody wants to say about these teams? Is there anything that we missed at all? I think that needs to be brought up. No. All right, great. Slash said no last time, you say no this time. So if we were to rank them, I will, uh, I'll start with you, Mag, since you started uh, at the beginning. I will go first. Oof. I think W7M is going to finish first. Uh, I'm going to go wild here, and I'm going to say that DZ finishes second. Heroic finishes third. G2 finishes fourth. That's my ballsy pick for this group, is I think that NA teams performing in NA do, tend to do quite well. I, I feel like Dark Zero as a team on LAN has a lot to prove. They're going to be energized by having the crowd there. The crowd is absolutely going to be behind their back. When they get onto the stage, they're going to want to get to that point in the groups. There's no crowd, but they're going to be playing like there is in their minds. I honestly think DZ is going to finish second, Heroic third, G2 fourth. Who's going next? You're going. I said you're going. I'm going you, don't, you can't dodge this one. I think W7M first. Heroic second, Dark Zero third, and G2 fourth. Tim? That's it. I guess I'll go. Um, I'm going to put Dark Zero at one because they have home field advantage. W7M two, and then Europe at the bottom in any order. Um, I'm going to put Heroic first. I'm going to put Dark Zero second. I'm going to put W7M third and G2 fourth. So everybody is G2 and last. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it sounds about yeah. it sounds about right. Good Lord. How the mighty have fallen. I just, I don't, I think for me, heroic is the big question mark. They've looked really, really good in EUL. They are consistently winning games that I don't, at the beginning, say like, oh, okay, well, they're going to have some trouble with this matchup. And then they don't. You know, they, what was it, one loss in all of EUL? That was it? Yep. And and they will not be scared by W7M aggression, for example. They'll yeah. deal with that, no problem. Yeah, I I don't know. I just, I, I know G2. I, there's nothing that I've seen out of G2 over the last year that gives me any confidence at all. They are very firmly as well, a very middle-of-the-pack team. Do they have an abundance of potential? Yeah, those five players can very easily win a major. They have the pieces, but they can't seem to put them together. Maybe this is the event where they do it, but, you know, you've got a group where I, I honestly don't know which two teams go out. If you put G2 in Group A or Group B, I honestly think they have a pretty good shot of making it out. Same with Dark Zero. I think if you put Dark Zero in Group A, they absolutely make it out of the group. Group B, I think, is a bit of a coin toss because you've got Exit in there, but I I don't know. This, this one's mighty, mighty hard, and there's two really good teams either way that are going to be going home. There's no gimmies here. Every single match is, in my opinion, is going to be a bloodbath. So I just think that W7M have proven to be so consistent against, I think, better competition. And the big thing for why I didn't give Heroic first like you, Tim, is because, yeah, Heroic is beating up on EU, but I don't think EU is that strong as a region, whereas the fact that W7M is clobbering Brazilian teams, I think, is far more uh, impressive. I'd agree. The only reason I put Heroic top is because, like I said, having watched them through the year, they've done best against aggression, so I think they'll deal with W7M pretty well. Trying to put himself back in focus. I don't know how to fucking do this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just hold your hand up until it focuses, then pull your hand away. It should I'm hopefully. Like right next to the camera. Yeah, you gotta go like, closer like, to the camera. Press it. I'll do a sir. Hold up. Oh no, are they gonna find you 40k? Yeah. Yeah, there That's... we go. It's, at least it's better. How many fingers? It's better. That's two fingers. Yeah, you're better. Okay. All right, that's group C. General consensus is actually all over the place. There is no real general consensus. It seems like W7M making it out and, and G2 and last. And then flip a coin as to whether it's heroic or dark zero to make it out of the group. Um, I'd like to note that resident NA scholar and APAC scholar Spencer uh, has put NA teams first in two groups now and second in the first group. So obviously very proud of his uh, his home region. I think he's personally the best region right now, overall. Like, the level of competition Ooh. is insane in, in the NAL. I think, that, I think that LATAM gives it a good run for its money, but I will say that I think that the NAL is more competitive than the EUL in in the sense that EUL is competitive, but not because teams are playing super With each great. other, it's insanely competitive. Yes, it's, exactly. It's great to watch because yeah. anyone can win. But, yeah, stack yeah. them up against teams around the world, I'd, I'd be yeah. nervous at the minute. Yeah, yeah it looks pretty bad right now. Outside of that ex-Empire squad, which again, what a stupid fucking decision it was to dumpster that roster. Outside of that ex-Empire squad, EU has not looked that great at an event since Mexico when it was, again, it was the ex-Empire squad making it to the finals. But you had uh, you had BDS doing well. And then BDS obviously didn't have the, the greatest results after that and obviously there was freak circumstances at si which we still don't know what happened even though they promised they would tell us and it's been five four months now so hopefully one day we uh we find out group d is the last group running down the roster we have a we have the number one team out of north america a bit of a surprise to be fair which is astralis uh chiefs Coming out of APAC South, that's the Australian squad who completely fire-sailed their roster. And I was actually quite vocal about that roster change because I thought that God Legion in particular is a very good player. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Mag, obviously, you're going to have a better finger on the pulse of that one. But I was shocked that God Legion was moved off of that roster because if Chiefs needed an overhaul, I would assume that he would be safe. Which, again, when that kind of move happens, I assume that it's an interpersonal conflict where you either have a problem with the coach or players or there's something going on with your personality. Either way, Chiefs doing well. LFO, which is the old Vitality roster. Bad time for Vitality, I guess, to drop the squad. Uh, they finished in the uh, in the top four in EU. Obviously, BDS finished second overall in EU. LFO finished third, if I remember correctly. And you got the two French squads from the EUL in there. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Ace, this time, since this is your home region and there's three or there's two teams in it from EU. Even though you're not a Frenchman, you work out of France. What can you tell us about Group D? Um, okay, BDS are the easy one to start with. Everybody looks at BDS and thinks they might be tournament winners. Um, coming into this, honestly, they've not really looked like it too much. Obviously, as you said, it was uh, you know a disappointing performance in difficult circumstances at SI, um, and then. Stage one, we sort of came in and I thought they were just going to absolutely run through it, but far from it. They've been stretched, they've been beaten, they've been pushed to the wire a few times, and again, they just seem to be lacking consistency. But let me bring some optimism for BDS. BDS... Uh, becoming one of those teams, they're becoming another liquid, um, you know, a team that we really think should have won big events but haven't. And I look at BDS and I just think 
they've always come into these tournaments like really hot, really, really strong stage performances, and then they come in and they don't quite, you know, make the grade at the major. And I just wonder if coming in on a bit of a shakier start through the stage, maybe we're going to see something a bit better from them at the tournament. So, but I don't know what to expect really. Um, but with players like Renshiro and Shaiko on there, it's always going to be possible. Um, LFO, the other French squad, um, obviously previously Vitality, looking for an org at the minute. Um, again, consistency's been a little bit of an issue for them. Sometimes struggle to just get things over the line. I joked on the last EUL play day, but I, I, on, I haven't been through and checked. But I honestly think I might be right in that I think I actually predicted them wrong every single week, whether I predicted <laughs> them win or lose. They're so difficult to actually know what you're going to get out of them. Um, but they've got Mowgli, um, who can hit serious numbers. Definitely one to watch. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting for both of them. Um, but what I will say is they're going to have to show us something that they didn't in EUL um, if they want to do significantly well, is the reality. Let Meg go while Slash still tries to figure out this camera, which is just not cooperating. It's not even mine. That's the, so, the, it's just not working. I'll probably start with, you know, information on the Chiefs. Um, to be honest, I think God Legion really started to fall off towards the end of his run with Chiefs. Um, the stats also did speak for themselves, which is why he was removed from the squad, as well as their support player, Fisher guy. I think they wanted just a bit more firepower, as Fisher guy was definitely like a super duper hard support, sort of IGL, you know, smart brain type of dude. But um, when it did come to, you know, the gunfight department, didn't bring um, that much to the team at all. I don't know how much we want to speak on why Chiefs beat Dam one and the other Korean teams. Because it is the P word. Ping. Oh, we can get into the ping conversation. I mean, there was a gigantic blow up on yeah. social media about it. So I think it's I honestly think it's a valid thing to talk about. If yeah. the circumstances in I which think... teams competed online is the reason why certain teams didn't make it, then I think that's absolutely very valid feedback. Cool. Alright. I wanna start this off with that. No matter who has high ping, it's at a disadvantage. Um, so basically, Australian teams have to play against Asian teams in APAC. And that means that the server, which has, which is the most middle ground, um, is the Asian server instead of the Asian teams having to play on Australian um, servers, right? So these Australian teams get anywhere between um, 90 to 120 ping, and some New Zealand players get about 150 ping. So first of all, these players have to play for big money, for major spots, for in invitational spots on, 100, on around you know, 100, 120 ping. Now to combat this, um, the Asian teams have to use VPNs to increase, in, uh, sorry, to deliberately increase their ping so that there is not a big ping discrepancy between the Australian teams and the Asian teams. Um, so that already is, you know, competitive integrity, not really that great at all because, you know, these teams are playing on 70 ping, 100 ping. Um, 
throughout the whole season. So to add to this, there is a bug with the servers right now where the Australian teams now get 160 ping to their server. So they have to play against the best APAC teams who are really sharp on 160 ping. It's just impossible. Um, so come playoffs, Australian teams have never versed Korean teams, have never versed Japanese teams in their regular season because there's APAC North, there's APAC South. It was either a couple hours before or the day before where out of nowhere, ESL have just told the Korean teams, guys, you have to use VPN now. And obviously they were very frustrated and obviously, you know, it's going to throw them off. Australian teams have been playing on over 100 ping for years. They are used to it. Whereas the Korean teams have been playing on 60 ping their whole career. Um, and that for sure is a probably the only reason I'd say, or definitely a huge 99% of why Dam One and you know other Korean teams lost to Chiefs. Is this Chiefs' fault? No. I think, honestly, it's a COVID fault. Um, usually at these APAC playoffs, there's a LAN event where everyone gets to play on zero ping, right? And that's where the LAN spots are decided. So there was a lot of flame on Twitter between the Australian fans and teams and the Korean fans and teams. But ultimately, it's COVID's fault. Obviously, ESL could have handled it better. Then again, it wouldn't be fair for the Australian teams to play on over 100 ping while the Koreans don't. So I really hope from now on uh, they're going to be land events for OPAC playoffs as COVID, you know, dies down or whatever um, and restrictions are eased. So I think that's really the only way um, that competitive integrity is going to be restored for playoffs. Um, so that's why we are not seeing Damon at this major. I, it's worth noting that we used to do APAC lands all the time till COVID yes. hit, right? And yes. the, the issue that a lot of these Asian countries have is that they have, because a lot of them are islands and because they've been, you know, so strict on COVID, they are limiting entry to foreigners. Yes. So instead of everybody, usually everybody would fly to uh, Australia. I think there was, yeah. I think there was one event that was in Japan, but I think yes. all the others were in Australia. Can't do that really anymore, right? Like there are rules and there are regulations that teams have to follow in terms of travel and Asia in particular has a ton of restrictions on travel still. So, I mean, league is kind of seeing the same thing, right? Like their, their MSI is coming up the mid season invitational and uh, the LPL teams can't travel. So every single game is being played on 35 ping. When in reality, a lot of these teams are used to next to no ping at all. And now all of a sudden you have to adjust and you only have like a month to try and find it. Whereas, as you pointed out, for Rainbow Six, the Australian teams are used to ping. Like, obviously, it's not advantageous, but you get accustomed to it. And then you just yep. kind of throw all these other teams into the fire, and they're like, well, now you need to play with it too. Yep. So. Yeah, it was a big shit show in APAC uh, this season. Um, but to get on with Chiefs in general, I think they're going to come forth in their group. I don't think they have the players or just the team skill in general to beat LFO, BDS, or Australis. Um, I do remember in their interview, uh, there were, of course, Digital, their sort of team leader, was just talking, yeah, going to get the most experience as we can. Um, and I think that's all they can do. Um, 
a boot camp would be great. Honestly, I'd recommend any APAC team to boot camp before events. That's that's where you get the most experience, and that's when you will become the best team um, possible. Um, but yeah, I think Chiefs are going to come fourth in this group. It's not a surprise. Um, LFO. LFO, LFO. I think LFO might make it out, um, but I might have to go with the uh, other APAC guru here and say that Astralis will win the group. They have their home turf advantage. Um, they won't have to travel anywhere. And, you know, they've got the stats to prove it in the NAL, which is, again, arguably the second best region in the world at the moment. Oh, sorry. I take that back. Sorry. Slash. The best region in the world. Um, and they are winning it. So I think Astralis will do really well. Um, I honestly haven't seen much of BDS. Um, what did they come in there? Did they come third or second? Second. Second. Well, look, Shaiko doesn't show up at LAN recently. Um, he only comes and plays for actually like a couple games. Um, so <laughs> if he doesn't show up like he did against us in 2020 and absolutely mop the floor with us, then I don't think BDS is going to do as good as... Um, actually, they never really do that good apart from 2020 where they came third. I think after that, they've really fallen off hard plus ratio. They finished, so. they finished fourth at Mexico, and that's fourth at Mexico, yeah. yeah and then, and from then, it's just like this is BDS's tournament. It's, um, and then it's a bit like Liquid almost, you know, they get out of the group and then that's it. Um, but for sure, they can make it out of the group, but it's really tough for me to, um, decide between LFO, BDS, and Astralis, but. For sure, no-brainer. Chief's going to come forth in the group. Let's go to Slash. Yeah. All right. To no one's surprise, I have Astralis coming in first. They are, I think, might be the only team that's, like, coming in here in, like, top form in this group. It has, like, looked the best they've ever looked. Where, like, you, we've seen better from these other teams. Chiefs, you know, they're a team from Australia, um, which is both a country and a continent, if you didn't know. Um, and yeah, they're going to get fourth because they are not as good as LFO and BDS. <laughs> but I think LFO takes second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you're really trying to read. It's when your teacher's like, you got to write 2000 words and you're like, how do I do this? <laughs> I did a pretty good job. Like, I think people have a little more context to the chiefs now. Oh, they're that from they a might, continent as well. That they, oh, okay, that's that they might not have had before. So yeah. Not only are they representing their country, they're literally representing their representing continent. continent. <laughs> I think that pressure is a little too much for them, and they're going to get fourth. BDS, <laughs> oh. like, like Ace said, they're basically European liquid. Where like, you always say like, oh yeah, these guys are going to win the tournament, and then they never do, um, unless it's like a little like domestic land. I guess they win those. Um, I don't know. I like LFO a lot. Like they're, they're. I don't know. They just have a fun. I like watching them play. They're just fun to watch. I think it yeah. comes down to the meta right now is aggressive and together. If you're on the same page, yeah. you're doing aggressive things together. It's gonna work. And out of all the teams there, it's Astralis and it's LFO in that group. Yeah, like Astralis is like mastered, not mastered, but they're like one of the best teams at. Like using attacker repick to their advantage, and like that is just giving them like everything is like aligning for them right now. Like they just got like a new player and coach who like 
fit with this play style. They're like a team of five, like pretty good friends. So they have like really good chemistry. They're they're they remind me of like X set right now, where like they just have like a like like a main character buff on them. Like it just feels like they're like the ones to watch. And I think you know, without a doubt, they get first. They probably honestly win all three games. Being honest, I think. Sorry again. The last thing to sort of mention is that LFO choke. They they choke a lot, and yeah. that will be the funny factor whether or not BDS will go through. I think, or whether LFA will go through, because they yeah. seriously almost choke their spot at the major, and in the past, every time they have an opportunity or even to go to a major, they've just choked. So, um, yeah, choke factor for uh, LFO is quite scary whether they get out of the group or not. Yeah, and I think like it's entirely possible BDS just shows up and like yeah holds it together for a group stage, which is yeah. honestly likely to happen. But I still think like LFO could get second if they performed like where they can. One thing to contextualize LFO is that LFO had five victories in EUL. Their four regulation victories were against the bottom four teams. Their their overtime win was an 8-6 win over G2. They lost to Rogue, they lost to Eminem, they lost to BDS, they lost to Heroic. So you basically had LFO beat up on the feeder teams and either struggle or get smoked by the better teams. And I think that's a bit of a problem, and I do think it kind of comes into the whole choking aspect. I think BDS chokes as well, by the way. And I, I, I love the fact that you said that BDS are like the European liquid. How many events have we been saying, you know, Liquid's got the sharpest team. Liquid's Liquid's going to do well. This is the roster. They pick up Sexy Cake and Moringa. This is the team. They finally have a good supporting core. They're going to they're going to kill it. And the team falls apart and they don't get better than semifinals. And now it's like the same with BDS. It's a, it, every single event. Every fucking event. You'll ask, "What team is the favorite?" Every single time people will be like, "You never count out BDS. Can you ever count them in?" They've never made the finals of an international event. Like this BDS squad is good. I'm not doubting that. And again, this goes back to the conversation we had about Dark Zero, where any org would be happy with the results that BDS has been having. Every, you know, any org's happy with a top eight finish at every single land. Like that consistency is very hard to find. But when you have the expectations that BDS has, you have the you have the pedigree of Shiko, widely touted as one of the best players that's ever touched this game. You've got Bride arguably one of the best support players that's ever played this game. You've got a strong supporting cast on that team. I think that your internal expectations for BDS is they should never really be finishing worse than fourth if they are as good of a team as we think they are. And then we go to LFO and this is a team that they've only played one international event under that, you know, under this banner in the last two years, three years, whatever. They struggle against good EU teams, which in a greater context, some of these good EU teams, like, no offense, but if you're losing to Rogue and Eminem Gaming in Europe, how are you going to beat teams like Astralis? How are you going to beat teams like W7M? How are you going to beat teams across the world that are better than middle EUL teams? I don't know. I, I think that this group, I agree, Astralis is coming in in fine form. Astralis has impressed the shit out of me. Uh, I think that core of J9O, uh, DP Fire, and Iconic have always been really strong. 
and bringing Callout in as a coach and Forrest in as that as that like flex player to give them a bit more cohesion and leadership, I think has really done wonders for this squad. I actually think Astralis could be a team that finishes in the top four of this event. And I honestly, if it wasn't for their lack of experience, because every single player on Astralis, with the exception of Shuttle, have never competed at an international land before, I honestly think Astralis could be a favorite to win the whole event. When I look at this group, I just, I see three teams that I don't have full confidence that they're going to make it out of the group. I honestly think it'll be Astralis on top and BDS in second. I am going to be fascinated to watch the Astralis-BDS match. Because teams struggle to shut down BDS. And Astralis being a younger, inexperienced team, it's going to be really fun to see the way that they try to deal with, you know, Alems and Renshiro, who doesn't move, or Shiko, who can be anywhere on the map. And then on when you're on attack, Astralis loves their attacks. Guess what? You've got the 1v3 machine of Bride always lurking in the shadows. So... Uh, in terms of this this group itself, I don't. I'm not really high on LFO. I love the players on LFO. I don't think that they're going to make it out of the group. And yeah, I just think, unfortunately, like like two of the other APAC teams, I just don't think Chiefs have the experience, and I think they're going up against much better teams. I think you're right with LFO. Um, the important point you picked up on was the fact that they've beaten the lower teams and struggled against the upper teams. And I think that largely comes down to the reliance on P4 and Mowgli. Um, you know, I, I, as, as you say, I love the roster and I enjoy watching them, but I think there's been too much of a reliance on those two and better teams are able to deal with them. Um, you know, they're able to shut them down a little bit more and that is when they start struggling. Rise has had an absolute nightmare on entry over the last sort of three or four play days of EUL um, and I'm talking like a nightmare. He's had three, four opening deaths in a row you know, quite a few times. It's it's not been easy for him to get into a lot of a lot of the games. And so for me, I think LFO against good teams here are gonna struggle. Um if we were gonna rank them, I would go Astralis one, BDS two, um, LFO and then Chiefs. I think BDS this is the last tournament that I am giving them my optimism. I think they are gonna be slow burners. They've not come in fantastically hot, so I don't think they're going to do amazing in groups. I think they do enough to get themselves out, and then they're going to start ramping it up in playoffs, and they're going to be that slow-burning team. I cannot believe that a roster with those five names on does not win anything. I cannot believe it, but this is the last tournament, the last one that I'm doing at BDS. There's no more after this. I mean, it's the same with Li it's the same with Liquid, right? I gave up on them a few tournaments ago. Well, I mean, Liquid won Atlantic City, and then people love to whine and be like, well, it's because it was the Lion meta. Yeah, they were the best team during that meta. We've had lots of metas, and guess what? Liquid was the best team during that meta, and they won. It was also four years ago, so... Yeah, it was also a long-ass time ago. Since then, you know, that was, that was spring 2018. This major will literally be the four-year anniversary of Liquid's last major international win, and no, OGA pit does not count. Winning a minor where some teams are not playing at their best or just a, literally just a spot on the line for SI and nothing else, we don't really try to gauge results off of that. It's like winning DreamHack. A lot of teams went to DreamHack realizing there was an SI spot on the line. They didn't give it their all because it doesn't have that same prestige and the same following and the same luster that you see from a major or other international event that is tied into the regular season. So I, I'm with you I on that, Ace. I'm actually with, with you on that. One. But I was, I was with you on that for SI. Coming into SI 2022, before the weird circumstances, you know, it'd befallen BDS and they had to play with BIOS, 
I was starting already to transition to the, I just don't trust BDS to do well. Because like I said, one top four finish with that roster is just not good enough. <laughs> it frankly is not, you know, you like, I, I hate to say this, but MIBR has a better international record than BDS does. And no, almost nobody outside of Brazil would consider MIBR a better team than BDS. Most people would be like, yeah, BDS is one of the best teams in the world. Well, guess what? MIBR has a significantly better record. They haven't won anything either, but they've done so much better in international events than you. I know it upsets the BDS fanboys, but frankly, like, I get frustrated with Liquid and I get frustrated with BDS for the same reasons, and it's because, like, you have this roster of superstars and you just can't get it done. That's frustrating. Let's rank the teams. Unless anybody else has anything else to add? No. I feel like I you've you some Talk about Astralis. I think you undervalued miners a little bit, but well, okay, but I I don't undervalue them, but I'm just saying, like, do you think that Team Liquid winning OGA pit is notable? I mean, I think teams teams might try even harder at those events. Like SI is like the goal for everyone. So yeah. That's just my opinion. It's kind of a side tangent. We can just rank the teams. No, no, it's I I think it's cool. I mean, I, I think it's worth talking about because I've. I mean, I talk to teams at DreamHack Montreal and at DreamHack Austin and at DreamHack Valencia, and they would literally just say, like, yeah, we're coming for experience. Like, we're not really taking it all that seriously. Some teams did, for sure. Some teams were going being like, fuck yeah, like, we have to win. And other teams are going being like, eh, whatever. It, it probably depends. Like, if you're a team that already has the invite spot, and you, it's just like you get to go get more practice. Mm -hmm. But, like, I know, like, for us, like, we won our invite spot or our raleigh spot off of a uh, winning dreamhack valencia and that was like yep. i mean we played that and that felt like it was you know si because that's like basically how important it is to those teams who like actually still need to qualify i'm just basing it off of some of the teams that i talked to but it was the same with like usn a lot of yeah, teams USN like... is like a mickey mouse event like yeah but i mean i even heard teams say the same at dreamhack like they lost, they'd go out in groups at DreamHack and they would just be like, oh, well, and that would be it. And they wouldn't care at all. Whereas it's like, you know, teams lose like an international event and they're like devastated. So anyway, I think it is a good conversation to be had. I didn't mean to say that they're worthless, just that I, you know, when you say like, oh, well, Liquid actually won OGA pit. I want to say like, who cares is like my response. But, yeah. 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 I would say like for fans and like in terms of ranking them, like it doesn't matter. I yeah. think it's it's unfair to say that they're like freebie events for those teams. And I mean, who finished second in that event? It was SSG, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually a very competitive final. So. Yeah. That was a very consequential final for yes, me. Yes, it was. Because I lost to them in the quals. Are you upset? Yeah. We got one. <laughs> All right, let's rank the teams. Tim. I will go, go Astralis, BDS, LFO, Chiefs. Okay. Flash. I will second that. Oh? I will I will third that. You changed my opinion. All right. I'm fourth as well. We literally are. For, I think this is the first time we are all in agreement. Yeah. All four of us on the and same page. Slash just chooses America as first. I, I mean, I... I I know that there's I know that there's people who are really high on BDS, but Astralis have made, you know, every single round count. It's the same with Xset. 
You know, if you look at NA, there were there were very obviously times where OXG would get blown out in rounds or OXG would be fighting from behind or whatever. And I just round by round, I have less confidence in OXG than I do with X set, which is obviously odd because OXG finished second, right? But I, I see the same with Astralis. They're a scrappy team. They're good on entry. They're good on defense. They always seem well prepared. You know, I, I think a lot of that is on the shoulders of Callout. I think he's done an exceptional job reforming that team and providing greater structure to them and giving them focus. You know, when you've got three really young players and your leader is Shuttle, who's, I mean, Slash, you know Shuttle. He's a quiet guy. He's got leadership skills, but he's a quiet guy. You know, having somebody oh, yeah. having somebody like Callout to be that, like, authority on the team who's extremely knowledgeable, I think really helped kind of reorient and, and focus Astralis. And I'm really do think that they're the best team in Group D, which, now at the tail end of predictions here, means that we all think, with the exception of maybe Dark Zero, we have three of the four NA teams making it out of groups, which I think is fun to see. Uh, final 20-25 minutes here before we wrap up the show. Is there anything that you think that we missed that needs to be discussed? And if not, let's talk about what happens after the groups. We miss anything. I think we covered the groups pretty well. Hit on every team. I think we get right into playoffs. Let's do it. So assuming that we we have our own picks, obviously, because we didn't all agree on which teams would be making it out. Based on your picks, which teams do you think are making it the deep runs? And which teams do you think are the favorites? Possibly even making it to the finals. I don't I hesitate to ask you to call the grand final already. But if you had to pick, like, let's say the final four, we don't know seeding. We don't know outcomes, but if you had to pick the top four teams, who would you do it, and what do you think is going to happen in the playoffs? And if you want to, you can make a prediction as to who you think is going to win it all. I like how we're all staring intently at the monitors, thinking. I know my answers, so. Well, go ahead. I'll go first. Are these going to be, are you just going to say, like, NA teams in the finals? You're going to be like, oh, XG Astralis final. Uh yeah, OXG Astralis final, um, Dark Zero also <laughs> exit top four. So um, all four NA teams make top four. I I really do think it could happen. Like I'm that high on North America right now. The level of competition in NA right now is like the highest it's ever been. Like you have a mix of like old teams who've always been good, new teams coming in and like changing it up and like showing other ways you can win. I think it's just like it's made NA deadly. I mean, but you, you like, you're going to put two, like, I, I can maybe see like Astralis making the finals. Maybe OXG because of their experience. But like, DZ, I don't think are the strongest of the NA teams coming in. Exit are super inexperienced and still learning the ropes, even though they're actually more experienced on lands than, than Astralis is. I still give the nod to Astralis. You think they're better than teams like Heroic and Liquid and W7M? Yes, except for W7M. But I think... If you get a good bracket where like W7M plays like Astralis early, they're gone and it's free for the rest of the NA teams. Like I don't think there's a single like APAC team that's better than an NA team. Same with Europe. I think it's just literally like a couple LATAM teams. Uh there's no lower there's no lower bracket, no loser bracket, by the way. It is a yeah. single elimination bracket where the first place from the group will play the second place from another group. It is completely randomized. Matches are best of three. Grand finals are best of five. Obviously, there is no map advantage because there's no lower bracket. But, I, I mean, when you look at something like a best of five, 
a best of five for a team like W7M or a best of five for a team like Xset strikes me as putting them at like a profound disadvantage. Because I mean, even teams like Empire, the old Empire squad, even they struggled with best of fives because of their map pool, right? Do you think the fact that it's a best of five with no, with no advantage will benefit teams like Liquid, like Dark Zero, like OXG, the teams that have been around for longer, even, even BDS? I would take BDS in a best of five, even if I'm not particularly high on them in best of ones and even like a best of three, depending on the teams they're playing against, I would take BDS in a best of five to win because of the maps that they play and because of how long they've been together and how practiced they are on the maps. I mean, I, I would agree with that, but they have to get to the finals first right. in which they have to play all those best of threes versus like the scrappy teams that, you know, they're not doing so well against at the moment. So I don't know. I'm just an NA homer. Like I have to put them in the top four. I thought Mag was going to do the same with Direwolves and Elevate, but he did not. He actually put them at the bottom of his group. I actually put Direwolves higher than he did. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to lie. Ever since we've stopped making these internationals, it's been a struggle for APAC team to get out. Um, especially now with Damwon not there either. Um, I really have lost a lot of faith for APAC to get out. I, I really think at this tournament, it's going to be a really sleeper event for APAC. But again, this is the only good thing for the same region to be uh, two teams of the same region to be in the same group where Elevate could have a stellar performance in groups or Direwolves. Um, so those are honestly my only hopes of the teams getting out of the group as an APAC team is Direwolves or Elevate. Um, but my top four, um, I'd say would have to be W7M, Liquid, Oxygen, and Heroic. I think those are my top four. Those yeah, are those uh, are some spicy choices, I gotta say. Oh, are they? No, I like them. Oh. Tim, how much of that do you agree with? I think my top four I think Team Liquid will be in the top four. Okay. I'll go a step further and say I think Team Liquid are going to finally win a major. Didn't you just say you gave up on them? I did. <laughs> I, this did not, but that's a very different approach. I'm not hoping for it, but I think that it might happen. Um, I think Liquid, I think heroic are going to be in the top four um because they are so thorough um i'm gonna stick with bds this is the last time <laughs> <laughs> and then i think astralis will be in there with them as well so i think astralis liquid bds and heroic is the top four so you don't think w7m will make it even though i don't i think i don't think they're going to get out of groups okay Okay. You think it was you thought it was heroic and dark zero who make it out of groups? Yep. Yep. Okay. Because keep in mind it, it really does depend on who we want making it out of groups, like who we say is making it out of yeah, groups. Yeah, I don't know if that top yeah. four is possible based on who I've said would go yeah. out of groups, but um yeah, I think yeah, for me, Liquid Heroic, BDS and Astralis. So, yeah, I always sorry, I always really hate making 
predictions. Oh, it's like, so hard. So a week hard. before the event, yeah. like, but as soon as we see day one and all the teams play, like, the picture starts to get painted and you'd be like, they're on point, they're on point. What are yeah. they doing? What are they doing? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's always hard, especially when you can only go off um, regional results. It's also hard because the groups really do determine the winners, right? Like, if if Liquid implodes on one or two days or Heroic has a really bad day and Group C ends up being a squeaker, then, you know, there are two of the teams that you had to be your favorites going out in groups. I mean, look at BDS. BDS being the first team eliminated from SI 2022 broke, like, half of the people's brackets immediately. Yeah. So it's just... You know, I can look at it and be like, yeah, you know, I really think that, you know, I really think Astralis is going to make the finals. But guess what? If all of a sudden LFO starts playing well above their weight class and BDS is consistent, Astralis doesn't even make it out of their group, let alone to the finals. You know, the landscape completely changes. And as we've seen from these events, day one and day two are almost always wildly different. What was it? Like day one of SI 2021, LATAM won like every fucking game. Yeah. SI 2022, LATAM lost every game on the first day. So it's just like, and then what happened on day two? LATAM won all their matches on day two. Look at what happened in the, what was it, the final six? The final six of SI, it was like, there was three NA teams, uh, MIBR, FaZe, and Empire. And then it was like DZ, OXG, and TSM. Or Sonics, it was Sonics, DZ, and, and TSM, and all the NA teams lost, except for TSM, even though they had half of the teams that were in the final six, right? So it's it's so unpredictable. Um when I when I look at this, the final four. <sighs> damn it, this it's it's not easy. Uh I, I think, think that, I, I love it because it's not easy as well. I, I do too. I mean, I, I always find it hard to call international events for a number of reasons because I, I don't like weighing in because things can be so obvious. Like, you know, you can you can say, oh, you know, well, Team Liquid's going to do really, really well and then they choke like usual and you're like, yeah, I should have seen that coming, you know. But I I agree with Tim here. I think this is the best chance that Liquid has to win a major. When you look at the competition that's coming in, if Liquid doesn't win this major... I don't even, what do you do, right? Like, I don't, I don't mean to sound rude, but there's so many new faces at this event. So many new teams, new orgs, new players that, you know, the usual stable of familiar, the household names, half of them aren't even here. You know, if you look at like the tenured teams that we have at this event, it's like, well, Cyclops is hilariously one of them. It's like, you've got Liquid, You've got Dark Zero, you've got G2, and you got BDS. Like, that's it. All the other teams that are at this event have been in, like, one or two majors tops. One or two one or two international events tops. That's a huge difference in skill and experience. If Liquid and BDS are not winning this event, when I think, honestly, they probably both have their best shot of winning an event, then I, what do you do to the rosters? I don't know. What do you do to the teams? I don't know. I do think Liquid is going to... is going to make the finals. I don't know if they're going to win. But I think Liquid makes it. Uh, I'm also going to say that as high as I am on Astralis, I do think OXG is the NA team that makes the top four. Um, I'm also going to throw a curveball and say I think that W7M makes the makes the final four, and then I think 
I think it's BDS. So I'm liquid W7M BDS OXG. That's that's who I think the final four would be. But again, it really depends on what if what if they don't make it out of groups? Who knows, right? So I think the only one that we seem to agree upon is liquid other than Slash saying that all four of them are going to be in A. So. And this is where they get grouped. <laughs> this is and this is why I love the mergers. Uh, you know, we do all these predictions. We'll get asked, you know, um, countless times in the build-up who's going to do what, and then somebody gets grouped. Yeah, forget it. I just group C is the big question mark for me because our, you know our predictions hinge upon group C. We've got almost all of us have heroic or W7M making the final four. There is a very real possibility that those two teams both don't make it out of the group. D2 and Dark Zero go through. I and I mean, I, I don't think that's surprising. Group, I can see any single team in Group C making it out of groups. Even G2. Yes, I know. I think that makes me like a heretic. But I can see any team making it out of Group C. Group D, to me, is the most clear-cut group. But then even Group B is a question mark. None of us really talked about Xset. Even though most of us actually had Xset making it out of our groups, nobody put Xset in the Final Four. So, this is why I'm I'm super excited. I just want to see hell. Bring the chaos. I want it, man. Just scorched earth. Like, I just want to see, like, a fucking war between these teams. Is there any matchup that you want to see? Let's let's end it on this. Because we've we've called who we think are making it to the finals. Let's let's do two things. Number one, is there a matchup that you were looking forward to? It doesn't need to be in groups. And then the last question before we depart, it's which team do you think is going to win it all? Because we said the final four, but not all of us said who we think is going to win it all. Is there a matchup that you really want to see? I, I said that I really want to see BDS Astralis. Um, Xset Liquid is going to be thrilling as well. Is there, are there any matchups in particular that you, the panelists and you chat as well, feel free to chime in here. Is there any matchup that you really, really want to see that might even happen in the playoffs? I would love to see Heroic Oxg. Okay. I think that'd be tasty. I'd probably say I'd want to see CHE versus W7M. Ultimately, they've got pretty much the same play styles and that would that match would just be a shit show like just going at it all the strats in the bin. Not that they have strats, CAG, but, you know, like, I just think that would be one of the most entertaining games to watch if CAG make it out of the group. Um, but apart from that, I think, recalling four years ago that it was G2 Liquid, I'd love to see G2 play Liquid again. Very different look at those teams, though. Yeah. Yeah. Has, G2, has G2 played Liquid since then? I actually don't know. I don't know if G2 and Liquid have played each other since the Atlantic City Finals. I, they I'm must checking. have. They must have, right? Like, trying to have like an encyclopedic knowledge of every international event <laughs> the last four years. DreamHack Montreal groups. That's right. They played, but they played off stream. I remember that. That was, that was one of the best, best of threes I ever watched. And it wasn't even recorded, which was super aggravating. Spencer, what matchup do you want to see? I want to see Xset play Brazilian teams, like any of them. I know there are two of them in their group, but I want to see if Udega 
can really like outsmart you know the region he left and like prove that like he could recreate it but better in North America. He basically got to pick his team in an A, so yeah. And then outside of that, like honestly what Mag said about that matchup that like sounds hilarious to watch. <laughs> a V seven MCAG uh, would be fucking phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Or like a, they played like Dire Wolves or something, like <laughs> it would be a fun match. Uh I Troy's not on the show, obviously. He's currently scrimming as they have some prep work to be done ahead of Charlotte Major. Uh, he said that the matchup that he really wanted was CAG Astralis because he thought that Iagator and Iconic shit-talking each other would be hilarious to watch. <laughs> I, I'm honestly, man, I just want to, I want Iconic mic'd up for the whole event. Is, is, uh, Iagator like a known shit-talker? He's, um, he's he goofy. Yeah. Was he like screaming at the other team? Or is he yeah. like like one of the old Norango players where they all used to, yeah, shit like that? <laughs> uh, I guess I think uh, An Anaton does a lot of screaming as well. Um, yeah, I mean, not that you guys will understand it, but they just tend to be loud. Not really shit talk, just loud, really. I just I want iconic mic'd up. Do like a do like a behind the scenes series. On iconic, just talking. Uh, on the at the NAL games, there should literally just be a camera and microphone in front of iconic. <laughs> it is so funny. Like it's not even words a lot of times. It's just like like very loud moaning. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Also, Mag, I gotta ask: Is your headboard like the back of a pair of jeans? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I didn't choose it, but it just—that's what it is. <laughs> they can't—they can't see it on the screen, but it's—it's it's hilarious. They can't. I—I'll figure out a way at some point. We'll try and take a picture of it and and upload it just for everybody. But all right, last question. Wrap this up with a nice little bow. We're right on time. What team wins it all? Tim, you already said Team Liquid. Are you going to double down on that one? Yep, I think Team Liquid take it. Meg? I think Team Liquid's going to take it. Spencer? Mm. I'll go with Astralis. I'm thinking it's Liquid as well. So, I mean, it... The fact that three of us agrees means absolutely, and I apologize, Liquid, that they won't win it now. Yeah, 100%. But they're going to blow up in groups. We, we, spent like, <laughs> we spent a full 30 minutes talking about Liquid and like their problems, and then everyone picked them to win. I, I just The way that I see it is that Liquid has problems, but I don't think Liquid get bounced from SI 2022 if Nesk doesn't have the literal worst game of his career. If Nesk even plays half as bad as he did in that match, I honestly think Liquid win the match and go on into a deeper run. Do I think that Liquid could have beat TSM or that ex-Empire squad? I don't know. Probably not. With the way that we saw TSM playing in the finals, they looked unstoppable. But I, I don't know. I just, I think that it took Nesk having the worst game of his life to sink liquid. And I do not think lightning strikes twice, especially now as, as we pointed out, 
they don't need Nesk and Palu as much anymore because the supporting cast is doing better. But surely Nesk and Palu win a major event. They have to. Surely. They have to. We said last event too. That's what we've said every event for fucking <laughs> so I've three said every years. event for the last two years. Surely though. Surely. They deserve it. Oh, they deserve it. It's, I, it's not it's not even well, about deserve it. Just what if you look back in ten years' time and they didn't do it, no one's gonna be able to give an answer as to why. Yeah. I, I, I don't even have like I don't even have answers for like why do liquid lose events? It's like they just blow up. There's, they're just, they literally blow up. That's it. They just implode. When Liquid won Atlantic City, it was almost like the same stuff we're seeing now, where it was like, the, well, they finally win an event. Yeah. And like, listen, that event, like, two of the best teams had subs, so, you know, I discount that event a little more. But it's almost like repeating itself, where like, they just get close, lose, close, lose. But I think like, I stand by my, I think I said this at the start of the show, Liquid 2-0's groups and then loses in the first round. The The funny thing about Liquid is that they look unstoppable. I mean, they and Damwon, Kia, both looked by far and away the best two teams at SI 2022. They looked, they, they both were just like playing lights out. Nobody could hold a candle to them. And then all of a sudden, like, Damwon, Kia started to kind of kind of slip up and they had a couple bad rounds here and there. And then just as the event went on, they just started looking worse and worse and worse. Liquid will look like a juggernaut that just cannot be beaten. It's impossible to beat them. And then all of a sudden they'll just lose one map and then they just literally combust and they are horrible for the next map or two. And that's it. Look at what happened with team one in Mexico. They got fucking seven owed in map three. Like they just blew up. And I just, I don't get it. Something just like happens and it's just like, you just like flip a switch and all of a sudden Team Liquid just forget how to play. And then they just put on like the worst performances that you can imagine from five players and then they're out. And I don't even, I, I'm with you, Tim. I, how the fuck, what, what, do we, what do you even say about it? How the fuck do you quantify it? Like An interesting point for Team Liquid um, is obviously Silence has moved on now. Yep. So this is going to be the first major event with a different coach stood behind them. That could also play a big factor in exactly that point that we're talking about. This blowing up, this, you know, maybe new coach. And, you know, I love Silence. Absolutely great guy. But maybe his approach wasn't right for those sort of situations. Or I don't know. Um, you know, maybe not. Maybe it's on the players. But who knows? You know, the, the point is something is now different there. And maybe maybe that'll be what they need. I don't know. And their coach is Hugsord who used to play on that mm -hmm. old Black Dragons roster, was very briefly on Team 1 as well. For people that will remember him, they'll remember him most on Black Dragons. Uh, as a player, he was okay. He was not particularly outstanding, but statistically, Callout wasn't the best player either, and look at what he's done to Astralis. Statistically, Super is not the best player ever, but I don't think you can doubt his impact on the team. So, And same with Fabian. Fabian statistically was often not the best player on that G2 Penta squad for many, many years and many stages. It didn't matter. Now you've got Hugsword behind the bench coaching. What does he bring to the team? Have we even really heard a ton about what they've changed up with him as the coach? I, I don't know. I mean, it's working. They won BR, they won, you know, they didn't win BR6, but they won Copa Elite. So, I don't know. I think that's a good point, though. I also don't know how much Silence did as a coach. I don't know if you have better insight into that, Tim. 
Um, not really. I mean, the thing you've got to remember about Liquid is they've got it's quite a big team um, right. in terms of backroom staff and everything else. There's, there's a lot of people playing their parts there. Um, so I wouldn't like to say silence did this, did that, you know, worked on strategy, didn't work on strategy, anything, because um, I, I don't know personally his role well enough. Um, but ultimately, when it came to majors, when it came to LAN events, he was the hands-on coach stood with them. He was the one taking the timeouts. He was the one in the ears. And so it it could be a factor. It could be a factor. Well, that's it. I think we've, I think we've nailed it. Three of us said Liquid's going to win, which means they're not, which means that BDS is probably going to win. BDS um, takes it. BDS takes it. Happy birthday, Caliber Jacob, by the way. BDS takes it. He's 23 years old today. My mom says happy birthday, Jacob. There you go. My mom also says hello to you, Slash. So there you go. Although oh. all of the siege mothers getting getting in on the conversation here. Uh, Honestly, I, I love the siege parent Twitter. Yeah. It's, I love it. It's the most wholesome thing. Love to all of you. It's brilliant. I love watching it. And the moms it, come to the fun. events too, which is the coolest part. It's fun till your mom starts beefing with the casters on Twitter and then tags them <laughs> directly. <laughs> your mom fighting with Caliber Jacob after he called you a team of rejects was so fucking funny. I was just like, man, I like inject that shit into my veins. I was just sitting there in the studio, just watching him like try to one V five, the team of angry moms. And I was like, bro, you're getting hosed on Twitter. Like they're crushing you. It, it's a team of moms. Like it's not a rational fight. Like yeah. they will, they will never admit that, that they're wrong. Yeah. They're like, they insulted, they insulted their child. An angry mom is a scary thing. Your mom took no shit from Jacob too. She did not back down. <laughs> she did. I, I had I talked to her about it after. I was like, listen, when you talk shit about someone on Twitter, you're not supposed to tag them. <laughs> yeah, to explain the old subtweet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it she, was. She like directly tagged him in it. It was like you wouldn't even see that out of like Yardy shit talking to someone. Yeah. Oh my god, it was great content though. It was I, hilarious. I can only imagine what it what number that did on his mental. The, the Reddit comments were my favorite. I didn't even see the Reddit thread. Uh, I was like a beta because I had my mom fight my battle for me. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> like shit like that. I was like, I was like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't call my mom. It was like, hey, never, never change, Reddit. Never change. Jacob is being mean. <laughs> oh my god. He said his dad could beat up my dad. Like, it wasn't like. That. Oh, it's good stuff. And yeah, Tim, I, I like seeing the moms come to events. I've already been told that, according to my mother, that a lot of the gaming mothers will be there at Charlotte, so we can say hello to the team moms. Oh, good. Good. So, a lot of them have jerseys with, like, I think, like, Thinking Nade's mom had, like, Nade mom or something like that on the back of her Space Station jersey, which I think is very cute. So, but we love it when our parents support us. Anyway, any closing thoughts before we shut this down? We are right on schedule. It's 4.31. We started a minute late. We're ending a minute late. This is perfect. Any closing thoughts on the Charlotte Major, which, by the way, tickets are now sold out for. You missed your opportunity if you wanted to go. Womp womp. Any closing thoughts? 
Meg, you I... won't be there, but uh, as far as I'm aware, Ace and I will be there. <laughs> and Slash is going, so. I'm very excited to see what I think is going to be a an even more competitive major again um i keep saying this but the bar is getting raised and raised and raised in siege in terms of the number of competitive teams it ain't two three four anymore we're talking about 10 12 14 teams you know that realistically could be in that final four so i just get so excited coming into these majors now yeah um i hope all predictions and the favorites apart from Liquid, that are going to come out of the groups and do really well. I just hope it's totally flipped on its head and it's just going to be chaos. I think Siege is at a point where it can be like that for sure. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm looking forward to all my predictions being correct. I think I nailed them. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Like, not even just like the games, but like we finally have like a live event again. It's like it's like getting back to normal almost. I uh I went to PAX two weekends ago and being like in that convention space with people around and seeing the industry like bounce back was something I didn't realize how much I needed, but boy did I need it. And I hope that for people who haven't been to a convention or an event of any kind with an audience, uh it's just being there surrounded by friends and people with shared interests and all that jazz. It is a feeling that is so highly coveted by people to live and work in this industry. So I'm excited to see people. I'm excited to meet fans. I'm excited to see the matches in person. I'm excited to hear a crowd. That is probably the one thing that I am the most excited for. And I'm with you. Meg, I want chaos. I couldn't give a shit who wins. I just want the craziest stuff to happen so that we can have a crazy amount of storylines. My adjectives are failing me today, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. And it'll be cool to see Charlotte too. I'd have liked if the event was not also in North Carolina, like the North Carolina event we had before that, but eh, it'll be fun. That's it for our show, though. Closing words. If you're at the Charlotte Major, we'll see you there. Uh, if you want to follow these gentlemen on Twitter, MagnetR6 is Mag's handle. At Ace of Pyrite is Ace's handle. At SlashUgR6 is Slash's handle. They all use social media, even Slash, the man so nice they named him twice, who doesn't use it as much as he probably should. That's it for our 28th episode. We're going to be off for two weeks because obviously the Charlotte Major is live and we won't be able to do any of that while the event is ongoing. So the next episode will be probably in a three weeks time from now. Either way, thanks so much for watching. We appreciate it like hell. Take care of yourselves and we'll see you in Charlotte. Enjoy the rest of your day.